Welcome to Watching Westworld, the officially unofficial podcast for Westworld on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 2, titled Chestnut. What is chestnut? What what the hell does chestnut mean? I know what a chestnut is. They, you roast them on an uh, open fire for Christmas time. You do. Is, is this, like, are they roasting robots? I don't know. And there's always, like, you, you talk about, I feel stupid because I feel like this probably was addressed in the show. I don't know. Um, and then maybe we missed it, but like the other thing is like, uh, it's like a, it's a term of phrase like, Oh, you got a little chestnut out of your fucking memory box or like, Oh, you got this little chestnut out. Like when you're <laughs> okay. telling a story, Oh, this chestnut again, like mm-hmm. it's a story that one would tell, but I don't know how that immediately, like, it doesn't seem like it would apply to the head writers, uh, you know, blazing saddles campaign that he's wanting to push. Um, it might be. Something that Anthony Hopkins has put because there's a lot of people speculating like his relationship with his robot child and you know God knows what all else. Um, I don't. This. Uh, do you have any ideas what a chestnut is? No, I mean not as it relates to the show necessarily, but as as you're speaking here, I'm trying to formulate stuff. It seems like I've, I've so heard... one of the definitions is like oh, like you said that old chestnut. So like if this is a story that we've heard time and time again. Mm-hmm. Um, and you think about, okay, maybe this is tied into the original movie. Right. We're wondering what the hell he's doing with this steeple at the end of the episode. Right. Maybe that ties in. I think I saw some speculation that this was the original town from the original Westworld that he's bringing back. Pulling a chestnut out. Yeah. The other thing I associated with is because my uncle um, is into horses. He does, like, horse cutting down in Texas, and... um, like that's the a, a color like you know you hear a, a chestnut mare um okay but i didn't see any notable mares that were chestnut is jimmy episode. simpson chestnut colored is that <laughs> just his pubes <laughs> okay yeah it's what uh overindulging a milk will get for it. you just get you get marvelous chest glistening chestnut pubes i can't not look at that guy and see a mcpoyle like, I expected a, him to it, come into Westworld in a bathrobe with a glass yeah. of milk. It's a damn good thing that, like, uh, the, the, you know, for various reasons, that Always Sunny was not, like, a hit NBC comedy that 40 million people are watching, because it might have destroyed his career. It might have, yeah. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's uh, it, it's an indelible character. Let's put it that way. It is. So what do you want to start with today? Uh, so, so a lot of people, so it looks like Westworld's going full Mr. Robot with some of their... Uh, ad can not ad campaigns what what do you call that stuff uh easter eggs sure um, yeah like um alternate reality games uh-huh. uh and they've got you know you can go to the westworld's website right now and log on as if you're booking a guest day and there's a lot of like there's there's a terms and conditions we're also going to talk about some of the other easter eggs in the the feedback section but i thought the terms of service was interesting and it's been a lot a, a lot of things talked about on reddit and, and our forums and elsewhere uh, and Lucas V was the first one that sent it in to me. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing because a lot of it's just boilerplate, like legal stuff to lull you into sleep so you'll accept weird yeah. things like the following. It says under indemnification of like you know bodily harm and stuff. It says statistically speaking, you are more likely to die from lightning strike than to die while in a Delos park. However, the following causes of accidental death have occurred within the Delos destinations camp compound. Buffalo stampede, self-cannibalism, accidental hanging, drowning, third-degree burns, autoerotic asphyxiation, 
Blunt force trauma, allergic reaction to non-native plant life, falling from great heights, common manslaughter, tumbleweeds. Is self-cannibalism something you really need to worry about? Uh, yeah. And, I mean, and that's also, not something you got no one can to, happen to you if you don't want it to. That and autoerotic asphyxiation, you got no one yeah. to blame but yourself. Like, right. I think Delos is being a little too... But I <laughs> The lawyers that, wa- had him included. It was just as... How did someone die CYA? due to tumbleweeds? Tumbleweeds? Yeah. Like are they are they heavy? Are they like robot no. tumbleweeds? So I mentioned my uncle. I I, well, I lived in Texas for two years, uh, and the bane of my fucking existence was going during tumble. I don't know if there's a season that this is all kind of a uh, uh, eleven to thirteen year old blur. Mm-hmm. But my job was to clean the fence line of fucking tumbleweeds mm-hmm. because you know they just blow and nothing stops them until they hit the fence, and then like you know and they're just kind of prickly and yeah. but they're light. They're like a dried up brush because that's what they are. But a robotic tumbleweed, robotic tumbleweed coming at you. Uh, yeah, that could be a problem. Uh, it continues, all weapons and equipments used by Delos Parks are exclusive property of Delos Inc. Gun ammunition contains proprietary safeguards related to bullet velocity and tampering with gun safety features or ammunition automatically transfers liability to you and absolves Delos Incorporated of any injury or death that may occur as a result. Okay. So I, I, I took this out because we talked about simunitions last week, but it does seem like a theme of this is some kind of world in which lawyers have been defeated or maybe lawyers are ascendant against the common man because it just seems to me on the face of it, Westworld is way too dangerous of an attraction. Like, I know you want to think that you can say, well, if the guests tamper with the thing or if they malfunction and you kill someone, it's not our fault. Mm-hmm. But I, in, in 21st century America, it's hard for me to, to, to see that being the case. So th- I think part of it, like, there's a little bit of griping that I got in the feedback section or that people sent me in about, like, the unrealistic nature of how kind of crazy this is. And I think that's part of the science fiction conceit. Right. You have to accept that this world would allow legally – financially, et cetera, something like Westworld to exist. Because if you don't, yeah. then it's like the same thing. Like if, if you're hearing sounds in Star Wars and that takes you out of it, mm-hmm. well, fucking get your money back for your ticket because you ain't going to enjoy the ride. Right. Uh, all livestock within Delos Parks are hosts with the notable exception of flies. All humanoid and animal hosts within Delos Park world. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. What about like, okay, explain to me how this works. So I think so. I want to I want to make a mission statement here. I think we're too hasty ruling out virtual reality technology. You think so? Be, yeah, I mean, I know that there are physical spaces. There, there's manifestly, but there's also a lot of heightened reality, like stepping off of an elevator onto a moving train, um, exiting from your right. office right under to. I, I kind of think that maybe there's a blend of like a holodeck and actual spaces and virtual spaces. I, it doesn't. I'm not getting that vibe from it. I'm definitely getting this is a physical location. Because, but how thing, do you limit wildlife? Like, I, how would you I, that's limit? The only, that's that's why I said it's got to be. What VR. technology are they using to kill all the scorpions? Sure, in the park. And, and, and the only way that could be a, a, a possible if it's a sterile environment. They, they mentioned that we're always having problems with flies because flies, you know, they're the damnedest things. They right. Get, but I would think that you'd also have a problem with gnats, mm-hmm. mosqu- anything else that could get into a park and feast on. Right, readily available human garb rats, including like, people. Yeah, people. <laughs> like, um, but I, I thought. I mean, again, science fiction narratives. They, they have a problem with flies. That's the only problem they have. The only problem. Okay, they got ninety nine problems. Uh, they're all flies. <laughs> Scorpions are not one of those. Okay. Um, all humanoid and animal hosts within Dalos Parks work to keep guests safe, even when the narrative calls for them to appear to endanger guests. Please note the appearance of danger is not the same as true danger. Mm. All hosts utilize the Good Samaritan. 
TM reflex to prevent bodily harm. Huh. Uh, that's something nice. that was... I, I put it in the spoiler section last week, this um, interview with the Nolan, uh, Jonathan Nolan, and, and because it's, but now it's like a part of the official propaganda. Hmm. Um, but we talked about the fact that they mentioned that the um, hosts could act as like lifeguards and first responders and like almost bo- bouncers last hmm. week to protect the guests from each other. Um, and this is just putting a name on that. Upon entering the Dalos Destinations compound, you agreed to voluntarily divest yourself of all cameras, cellular devices, and electronic electronic technology capable of recording your park experience, including virtual or recorders and devices, holographic recreation devices. Oh, wow. Yeah. So those things exist in the world. That's the other reason I think we might need to... Holographic uh, and VR. Be open to VR technology being used here. Uh, There's no video recording, audio recording, or a written recording allowed within the park. You are allowed to utilize the in-park host character photographers whose narratives allow for you to take Dalos approved photographs. So it's like King's Island or Disney World. You can buy our fucking photos. Don't take any of your own. Um, Could you grab that guy and say you're coming with me? I think so. At gunpoint and you're going to take pictures of everything I do here? I want you to take high speed erotic photography of my exploits in this whorehouse and I want you to make a flip photo book. Right. Or one of those Nickelodeon things that you look through the slot. and Yeah. yeah. How many pictures am I allowed? I, just, I, I don't know. For 40000 a day, I would hope it would be approaching it infinite. Yeah. Uh, this also, I think, ties into the next provision, which is privacy. You're guaranteed absolute privacy while using the service as outlined in this document, and all guest activities connected with use of the service remain strictly private and confidential. Um, again, how do they guarantee that? Because you see what other guests are doing. So, And we know that the guests... Like, I, I thought I had a theory in between this week's episode and then last week's that maybe the guests are all instanced from each other. But we clearly saw in the bar... Oh, wait a second. No, we didn't. Like, there was a group of two guys that blew away um, uh, J- Marston's character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was no other guests that we knew of. I thought that maybe Billy and his friend were there. So no. maybe maybe the parties are instanced off from each other. Is there? Can we think of any time where a host... A known guest uh, bumped or rubbed elbows with another known guest, or not connected. Uh, not at the moment. Okay. And when I use the term instance, I mean, like, I you know, I, that's a technical term. It means like you can essentially uh, partition off people to their own experiences, and right. you'd have to have the VR technology going for that, but. Uh, you agree to leave the Dalos Destinations compound on your appointed leave date, and you will make no attempt to hide within the parks and avoid your re- leave date. A maximum <laughs> of 28 days is allowed for being within the parks before guests must proceed to Mesa Gold Area for decompression. Right. Is that some kind of psychological barrier, or is that a uh, a, a some kind of thing where the the writers need... Like, they can't have a narrative that goes past 28 days they can guarantee. So they need yeah, guests to like rotate a, out so they can reset shit. Yeah, it sounds like a park-imposed thing. But, uh, so, I mean, we've clearly seen the loop happening over and over again, right? right. It's not like these loops are 28 days long. Well, so because we, we've seen, uh, well, I guess, I don't know. They could be playing with time. Well, and the other thing is, like, I think, like, I mentioned there's multiple nested resets, and I, as I, I was playing, you know, I played Destiny, it's an, in a classic MMO, and they have, like, a daily reset, a weekly reset, and then, like, shit that resets on a monthly basis, like mm-hmm. the Iron Banner. And I wonder if Westworld works that way, like, these old men, Quest Givers, or Dolores, or Teddy, they reset every day, because right. they're just there to hook you for the short, and then you've got guys like the, the I forget the bandit that's hiding up in the mountains, was it Hector? 
Uh, yeah, Eschaton. Um, he might be on a weekly reset, and then like the Ghost Braves might be on some kind of monthly campaign that only comes around once a month. Right. I think a lot of people are assuming um, that that the guests would not be aware of like how the park functions in that regard. But I don't see why not. Like, I would still go to a park if the park reset every day. Yeah, I mean, you've played World of Warcraft, right? Sure. I have, but I've played other. I mean, if you've played an MMO, RPG, or first-person shooter, whatever, you're familiar with the idea of this stuff happening, and Uh it doesn't really break your immersion like because no one is under illusion that this is fucking real like this is that would only be a concern if you uh, kidnap people wipe their memory and put them in this world and wanted to see what they do right that's all about season two by the way uh (laughs) but yeah now here's the here's the hammer they got everybody a buzz by entering the delos destinations port of entry you acknowledge that delos inc controls the rights and remains the sole owner of in perpetuity All skin cells, body fluids, secretions, excretions, hair samples, saliva, sweat, blood, or any other bodily functions not listed here. Dalos Incorporated reserves the right to use this property in any way, shape, or form in which the entity sees fit. What? Yeah. They own you. Essentially. (laughs) That's... They own your sperm. They own your sweat. They own your blood. They own your skin cells. Those things make you up. Yeah, that's <laughs> make you up. They do. We're just going full Yoda here. Uh, yeah, that is what you are made of. Yes. There, there is no difference between those things and you. So you're signing your life away, essentially, and and the rights In to perpetuity. control all that. Like if they want to start cloning you for the next gen robot technology, I don't know. It, it's 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 hard for me to believe anyone would. Well, uh, I guess it's not that hard to believe anyone would sign something like this. But that would be that would give me a lot of pause. That seems completely unenforceable. Right. Well, unenforceable. Yeah, because you're you can't. I mean, depending on how this society operates, I wouldn't think you could sell yourself into slavery. And that's what I'm which saying. Which is what that clause says. Like I wonder. Well, not yourself, but your genetic identity. I, y- like you know, I mean, if if you're can... selling your skin cells, I mean, what are you gonna peel your skin off and give them to them? No, I'm, I'm talking about. I think they're talking about like you slough off dead skin cells when you take showers or you get scratched. It say or... Dead skin cells. It just says all your skin, all your hair, all your <laughs> parts. Everything yeah. about you is now theirs. So no, I don't think that means that they can literally take whip off your right arm. I think they're talking about anything you leave behind now. You're right. I'm. That's that's. You're you're that reading. What it a, says. I know. You're you're taking a very broad reading. You're putting your lawyer hat on and seeing what can we get out of this. I I I guess I maybe just mentally thought that this would be stuff because they're, they're listing things that a person would discard in the mm-hmm. in, in in the in the way in, in going about your daily business of being a living being. You know, there's nothing right. here. It's like your eyeballs, your testicles, your femurs. Our, your bone marrow. At some point, are we going to see somebody come back to the park and go, oh, that's me over in the corner? Well, I know. Well, that, <laughs> that's what people are saying. Like, is this going yeah. to be some kind of cloning technology? Is this, like, there's there's a lot of a lot of interesting implications. And also, the people are willing to sign such a broad agreement. It says a lot about the world. It says a lot about what kind of control corporations would have over the world. Mm-hmm. Um and I thought it was interesting, but that's those are there's there's a lot more, but most of it's just you know boring. This, you can't sue us. And is this you, what that goo's made of? You know, that that's another good goo? question. Like I don't understand because they made it pretty clear when they cut open Maeve that she's got at least kind of like um you know a Terminator esque endo or exo skin, right? 
that's actually flesh and blood. It can get mm-hmm. bacterial infections and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it can cause the the robot discomfort. Um, but they also, we start off as some kind of milky white polymer thing mm-hmm. that they're laying down in strands. So, like, is there like, some kind of perfusion process that turns that into flesh and blood? Or is, like, once you peel the outer layer of skin, is it just all, like, mil- like I-, I would love to know what, like, um, you know, uh, Kissy's skull looked like. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, because those are all valid questions I don't have answers to. Hmm. Okay, is that it for the That's it for the, 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 the boilerplate legal disclosure before you listen to the podcast proper. All right, well, let's get into we the We own recap. all your semen <laughs> and eggs for the we, ladies. But we, we just want the semen. They're just... <laughs> Just that's all we want. We Don't just want worry half of you. Essentially, we're not gonna. You know, just what? What can we do with semen? <laughs> right. Nothing. We can't, can't make you out of semen. We can make something that has your eyes, maybe. But all right, let's get into the recap. We start off with Dolores waking up and going outside, and Bernard is asking her, like, telling her to wake up and ask her if she remembers can it, something. Real quick, because I do. You, I remember thinking when I was first hearing Dolores waking up in the first episode that it sounded like Bernard, and mm-hmm. then later it recontextualized by hearing the having the whatever the good looking uh, response team officer debriefing her. Ashley, one of the one of the Hemsworth. Oh, people, is it? I don't no. know if he's Daddy Hemsworth or <laughs> little baby brother Hemsworth. He looks like older brother Hemsworth. Well, they got a hold of Chris's semen. Yeah, it's Luke's Luke Hem- Hemsworth. They got a hold of the, one of the brother semen, and this <laughs> right. is the, the the Nolan's got busy with it right away. Yeah. Um, he's full of milk. <laughs> <laughs> he's a growing boy. <laughs> um. Anyway. What was I even saying? I Shit. Know. So Thinking it turns it out Bernard. that was Bernard. It, so he's he had an almost identical conversation at some point in time with Dolores that the strike team ah. leader guy did. Right, because we know it's Bernard in this. Yes. And there. we know they've had lots of talks because she's yeah. got a beautiful mind. Apparently. Uh, yeah, anything else about oh. that? We can, we can finish that scene later because the show decides to. Yep. Uh, so two friends are headed to Westworld. One of them has been before. The other hasn't. They arrive, and the one who has been there before—I don't remember his name. Uh, Shit, the dark-haired one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did until you just because that's—I <laughs> was trying to remember it. And now, yeah, it's gone. Uh, he takes off with several hosts, and then William is onboarded by a blonde female host. She tries to make it clear that this experience is basically what he makes of it. Don't don't come in with any real expectations. Just do what you want. Did you think it's weird that she? didn't understand his joke about fear of clowns but then she makes uh, se- several other subtle jokes later is that is Would that she know what a clown her... is i have the, have Surely. clowns been programmed into her if she doesn't have the incomplete working copy of the <laughs> 2022 version of wikipedia then i don't know what the hell they're 2022. doing 2022 yeah that's that's gonna be old school by then <laughs> Yeah, and still clowns were well covered. And You're that, right. Yes, it's, they <laughs> haven't well. got the twenty one forty three update yet, but you can still understand clowns. <laughs> um, do you think this is an because because he's he mentions later on that these robots are always error correcting? Do you, do you think they start off as like a more default, and as she as she used the Q and A to explore his personality, she understood? Because Cecily said. Yeah. What about her interactions with him made her think that he would appreciate this strong come on that she gave to him? And but maybe in her heuristics, she sees, oh, this is the shy, nerdy type. 
right. he needs a little, you know, he needs a little goose to, to, to get what he really wants out of me. Yeah, we find out later in the episode there's some kind of emotional acuity setting yes. for these, these hosts. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds like they are programmed to look at you, read the signals you're giving off, and adjust right. their behavior accordingly. And the ones, the hosts are not part of any kind of period setting, could probably maybe even adjust or, or have a little bit, because they're not playing like a role. They're right. literally just facilitating you. Mm-hmm. They would probably have a lot more discretion about how they reacted and changed themselves to, to, would, to, been, to, to you know. Yeah, I would think so. Essentially a, a butler. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I thought was interesting is when he asked if she's real and she says if you can't tell doesn't matter mm-hmm. which i guess accurately describes my feelings about the situation like that's right. why i'm so discomforted about the idea of raping or murdering a realistic robot that's reacting re- it's like if you can't tell the difference then what the fuck yeah uh i mean you need some kind of you either need an assurance that it is not real and some some kind of like concrete assurance not that like it's not like real. are you a cop no, you have, no, you, you have you to tell, tell me, me if you are. Are you a, bot? Are you a robot? You have to tell me. <laughs> uh, or, or yeah, I mean, it could really get in your head for right, sure. Right. Uh, and then the part becomes something very different if mm-hmm. you don't understand that these are not real. Yep. And who knows which way they'll take it. And they are—they're clearly worried about. They're—they're uh, they're mentioning whether or not these things can hurt people, like right. the guns. That he sees, um, you know, he asked if those are real, and she's like, "Yeah, they're real enough." Um, and and like I thought, you couldn't get hurt here. He's he's very wary of that, and I feel like the show itself is trying to right. foreshadow something because I think the gun at the end of this episode might be real. We got your, I you've got support on okay. that theory. Um, cool. I also think that they do intentionally muddy the rules or the. Because they allude to a critical failure that sounds pretty fucking bad 30 years ago. And right. then we look, seen as terms of service, you can be killed by a tumbleweed or a buffalo stampede. Mm-hmm. So people have, like, we debated last last week about whether this is like Disney World, where pe- people aren't technically allowed to die. Uh, but in the terms of service, it seems like they're listing out a lot of gruesome ways that people have died. So that's a right. fact that people have died in this park. Yeah. Uh, so we go to Elsie, who is studying the footage they have of Peter, and she realizes that he reacted differently than the other hosts during his uh, his dissidence, I guess. And she describes him as dissident. What they call that? A break? Did they call the? Uh, the, the they had a technical term for what it is when a robot pierces the veil of their reality, mm. and I can't remember the exact term of art, but I, I liked it. It was really nice. Should have should have written it down. <laughs> yeah, uh, she thinks that what Peter had might be contagious and she asked to pull Dolores and examine her but Bernard denies the request yeah because there's apparently official policy that hasn't been fully outlined that I guess if a robot does pierce that veil of artificiality then they have to be pulled now right so Peter is in cold storage right uh, Dolores father my question is the the uh, the hot changing room girl Mm mm-hmm Robot. Elon Musk's ex-wife, by the way. No shit? Yeah, that huh. actress. Tallulah something. Tallulah Tallulah. Yeah. Uh, she's aware of her artificial nature at all times. Uh-huh. So they have to be decommissioned every day? Or is there... Like, if if it's... Why are the robots in the park that are playing a part more dangerous than... Are they more advanced and more real? 
than the the ones that are walking around serving drinks in the common areas? Doesn't or? Really seem like it. They all seem no. about the same to me. But you're right. right; they do have to have some knowledge that. Like if it's policy that the robot the br- breaks the illusion, they have to be decommissioned. Then what the hell? Because you've yeah. got a class of robot that seems like they're just they 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 know they're in on it. You know. Or maybe yeah, they I mean, don't. maybe it's not about breaking the illusion of the scenario. Maybe it's more about going off uh, of their task. Mm. You know, like like uh, breaking script, like or essentially making a choice to do something on their own. Right. Okay. Right. All right that which, makes sense. Which to me almost signifies that consciousness. Sure. Uh, do, making a decision you're not programmed to make. Right. Um. So. She talks about how this guy, you know, he made it all the way back home and he sat there while just mulling it over. Uh, Bernard wonders if she's talking about an existential crisis that he's having. And, I mean, we're pretty sure that's exactly what's happening here. Right. And it, this uh, is but different Bernard than, obviously is covering this up. It's different than other breaks in that, like, there was some kind of instant be aberrant behavior, whereas this guy actually pondered it and mulled it over. They're, they're showing right. in. And also we find out later that Bernard's trying to protect Dolores. Because she's mm-hmm. wanting to talk, to, and he's like, "Nah, nah, fuck off! It's you know, don't, yep. don't, don't be stupid." Um, and, and I think let's cover up. Fix absolutely, in. yeah. He doesn't want her finding out because she could dig into the the records and probably find these conversations if allowed to. I don't know because I, I wondered if he was worried about that, and that's why he deleted them. Where he just yeah. the first time he just instructed her not to reveal it, but he knows that if someone had the right cheat code, and now she's making decisions on her own. You can't trust right, that, right? <laughs> like, are, did you really wonder, delete those? Is it like, do you go, like grab the the android's right thumb and be like up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, <laughs> <laughs> left nipple, right nipple, and then they like that's it. Uh-huh. It's the Konami code. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I would be wary about her like lying to me about deleting these conversations. Well, we already know like, she's lying. Yeah, right. Delete the conversations yeah. and confirm. Yes. Yes. You- you deleted those, right? Yes. For real. You really deleted them? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Show me the memories. Here they are. You said you just deleted them. Now delete them. Well, yeah, it's... Right. Yeah. We, interesting feedback from a Wired article that we got in the feedback section about you know our conversation. We, we thought that converse, conversationally diagnosing these robots was a dramatic license effect, but it seems like that this is already happening with some of these heuristic networks. Hmm. Where okay. the machines are learning themselves, and that mm-hmm. like the programmers cannot tell w- how the outputs are being derived from the inputs. Um, but yeah, there's this kind of interesting feedback that someone sent in on that that I thought was neat. Nice. But yeah, how do you how how do you confirm something's deleted when you're just <laughs> you know when the thing can lie about whether it's hurting things? Yeah, and this this idea of of a contagion comes up here, and I I, I very much think that's in play and right. we'll, we'll talk about it here in a scene coming up right um actually this next scene here where dolores is walking through town and has a flashback of some carnage in in the town everyone's dead she's her day daydreaming is interrupted by the madam to whom she repeats her father's words these violent delights have violent ends um we kind of talked a little bit about these words last episode but i think they're coming more into focus and becoming more important mm-hmm. because once she speaks these words to the madam whose name is mariposa i think oh it's um, mave isn't it maybe that's her last name maybe or a nickname or something right because mave is his name of like some kind of uh queen of air and darkness type uh fairy character i think she's in a shakespeare play okay yeah mave let's go with that um 
it might be pronounced Mab. I I I don't I I, I couldn't tell from from listening. But I I think we got a Pawnee pool on our hands. I think this is this language is contagious. Ooh. Interesting. Well, we know that the ro- the robots are respond they do have like some kind of verbal code that you can say uh right. and they'll instantly put them into some kind of robot fugue diagnosis state. So, yeah, like if the robots have figured out that that's Interesting. I'm so and, glad and we, we watched Pontypool three weeks ago because that's <laughs> right. And also, it's streaming free on Netflix. Everyone should go watch Pontypool. Mm-hmm. You, you want an unconventional zombie flick that that uh, touches on existential language based virus programs? Then there you go. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense here, especially when you combine, uh, like you said, these these kind of language based um, protocols that the robots have with this idea that Bernard lays out later where they communicate amongst themselves to, mm-hmm. to be more human um, in order to learn. Right. So you could see some code being, you know, awakened, something being awakened inside them by just speaking words to them. Yes. It makes a lot of sense. Yep. And, and, you know, that's true of humanity as well. Sure. Right. They're not that much different than us. Um, so William is dressed and he's ready to go into Westworld. He grabs a white hat off the wall and walks through a door into a saloon where his, his friend comes in and he asks how they got, how they get into the park and the room starts shaking and it's revealed that this is the train into the park mm-hmm. and he's on a, the drink car, I guess. Right. The bar car. And his friend says, this is the place to the answer, uh, that has the answer to the question who you really are. And this is where I start to wonder whether this is there's some kind of combination of VR technology. Because why it's certainly possible you could have a an elevator tube that terminates into the back of a train that loads into a, a physical drink car that then launches. It's also probably more believable that this is some kind of holodeck entrance that you're that you're loading into. So holodeck, huh? Yeah, some kind of combination of like you. You definitely, uh, you know, the VR is, is this is a real space. I'm not saying it's not, but and you got real robots, but maybe the vistas and the finer points are being provided by VR technology. Maybe that's why, as far as anyone can tell, there's no end to it. Right. Yeah. It could uh, also be that it's just really, you know, sure, like you it's got, just real huge. Yeah, and you got you got horses, and you can't like just yeah. ride a motorcycle or a jet plane out of it. Right. And the further you get out, the more dangerous it gets sure. to. Um, so that's I don't know an interesting idea. I suppose it could be a holodeck. The other thing is like with the like the simunitions, like it makes sense that like okay, well if you hit a robot, maybe they're rigged with squibs from head to toe that they can mm-hmm. realistically have their face blown off or whatnot. Right. But it's harder to understand like glass and wood and masonry. Like, is the whole fucking world rigged to explode if a simunition hits it? I th- well, it would have to be some technology within the bullet, with, which makes sense with the trademarked. Uh, mm. well, what was it? What was the technology it's called? It's called simunitions. Okay. Uh, yeah, I. Yeah, you're right. They, I mean, they have a term for it in the terms of service we just read that I can't remember now. Oh, okay. Uh, the trademarked thing. <laughs> oh no, that was uh, sub- the Samaritan reflex. Oh right, right. Uh, but yeah, it seems to me like it would be more in the bullets and the guns themselves than right. In everything, because we do see that bottle explode. Yeah, so. and faces. <laughs> well, yeah, and faces. Uh, so let me ask you this. So first of all, a little on the nose with the white hat, considering his demeanor. Sure, and um, his buddy with the black hat. Right, mm-hmm. right, but whatever, I'll let it slide. You'll uh, allow it? I'll allow it. We've been covering TV a long time. It's very obvious to us, maybe not so obvious to others. Um, d- let me ask you this. Do you think... 
that when the rules are stripped away, that is revealing your true self, how you react to that, or does how you react to the rules also reveal who you well, are? It's so weird, right? Because the real world has rules and consequences. Right. So why is how you react in an artificial situation any more real than how you react in a real world? No, I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's a real philosophical question. I've um, never understood when when people talk in those sorts of terms, like right. revealing who you really are. Well, you're revealing who you really are every single day. It's like day when you're playing a board game. Life. If you want to be like a, you know, a lying, manipulative bastard when you're playing Battlestar, does that mean you're a really terrible person? Or are you no. a good person that likes to play with the idea of being a bad person? Right. Now, it does seem like with the heightened reality of this park that you're dealing with maybe proto-psychopaths. Sure. Um, that sure. would actually look out for some of these things that they're doing for fun but um i mean that that's a great question i don't know why people assume that i mean that that sounds like psychopath talk right so you're you're only your real self if you don't if you ignore all the rules right right well that's not true maybe not for everyone certainly sure and like if you have a serial murderer would the world be better off of of the place where you they could go to a Westworld once a month and kill a bunch of people and get it out of their system, or would that actually make them hungrier to have a real death? Like, right? It's the endless debate about video game violence, right? Sure, sure. Uh, just kind of to the nth degree. Uh, I have a less existential question. Okay, I would like to know how these guys became friends. Because <laughs> right. they seem like this guy just seems like a total asshole that McPoyle doesn't even really like, or William uh-huh. doesn't even really like this guy. Yeah. Uh, so how did he get drug? And then that's the thing. Like I've definitely had friends who are like very different from me, but I've always liked them, and like mm-hmm. I never like hated everything they're doing or muttered about them under my breath or shit talked them to a robotic pros- prostitute. Like it seems like he has a lot of antipathy towards this guy. I would love to know more about their backstories and situations, how they became friends, how this guy ended up at this resort. Yeah, I just, you know, Jimmy Simpson is not a nobody. I I feel like if they're going to cast him, he's going to be back for future episodes. Oh, for sure. So we might actually get more of that. And it, yeah. w- it would be interesting because every, every single time I learn something new about Westworld, it mm-hmm. raises more questions about the right. outside world. Right. And I, so I want to know, right, I would love to know more about the outside world. Here. Now, having said that, I am a little wary and weary of the concept of, of using the flashback episode mm-hmm. because, you know, between, you know, Lost and and the leftovers, like, they, that, I mean, that can be very effectively done, but holy cow, um, right. it does seem to be getting a little bit tropey, like, oh, just when things are at a fever pitch to park... Now let's go see how Billy and what's his fuck Black Hat became friends. Yeah, you know, and find go through. You know, did they are they childhood friends? Are they college buddies? Are they workmates? You know, was this all a dare? What what's going on? Yeah, I mean, so it's interesting with this idea of Chestnut uh, to talk a little bit about the structure of the episode so far. Yeah. Both of them have been kind of recursive loops, right? Where you see at the beginning, uh, not necessarily recursive, but they, they've looped back on themselves. Right. Where at the beginning, we're seeing Dolores wake up and Bernard's talking to her. Right. And at the end of this episode, we see that the, the progression of that conversation. Right. Same thing with the first episode. And, you know, with this one be, being called Chestnut, you can kind of get the idea of these cycles. Right. These repetitions. I wonder if they're going to keep that up as we sure. go through the season. Yeah. I That'd it, be interesting. Yeah. So, a man's being hanged. 
when the man in black rides up and he kills all the guys doing the hanging and he drags off the guy who is going to be hanged. His name is Lawrence Mm -hmm. to help him find an entrance to the deepest level of the game. Yeah. The maze. He's actually got a name for it now. Uh, do you think that's the place where Ford goes in and out of this world? I the elevator. I I don't know because I don't know how interesting that is. Like mm-hmm. he's talking about a deeper level to the game, implying something like this management scheme that's going on behind the scenes. And right, maybe he's looking for the skin cells and the dead hair. I mean, maybe, and and also like the fact that this guy just manifestly is bored mm-hmm. with this place, and he's looking to do something that you know this is. I mean, because I take so much video game knowledge into my analysis yeah. of the show, and I'm like, the other thing that seems unrealistic is that if they don't instance the guest off from each other, the griefing would be out of fucking control. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're trying to have a family photo op with uh, your, your wife and kids? Bang, bang, bang. I just killed. The, now, look, I'm fucking the photographer's corpse. Hey, how you like right. that, Billy? Right. Like, and that's exactly what would happen. All, all day, every day. All day, every yeah. day. Because guys like Ed Harris, who's been through and played the fucking game, now their delight is ruining your time. Yeah. Uh, and you know, like, this griefing would just be off the charts. So they mm-hmm. have to instance people off. Because like, you can have all the good Samaritan reflexes in the world, but at the end of the day, Ed Harris starts getting his fucking 14-shooter out or whatever the hell it is and putting holes in everybody. There's only so much good Samaritan. Someone's going to lose. Like Ed Harris either gets mm-hmm. to kill and rape and pillage, or the family gets to have their photograph. You know. So is that maybe someone's immersions being broken? Do you think maybe the town is more more of like, you know how um, Guild Wars was? Did you ever play Guild Wars the MMO? No, but I I, was... I watched Jayton, our f- friend Ace Jace play a couple hours of it. Okay. So so what they had there is basically these town hubs where you would come together with all the other players. Right. And you'd be able to interact with them and whatnot. But and when you safe. went off on your quest, right. you were instanced off and nobody else could, sure. could yeah. join you. Right, right. Uh, unless they were in your party. So right. I wonder if it's more like that, where you go to the town and that's why it like resets every day. Right. So, so Sweetwater is the social griefers, hub. Right. And you can't do... But the thing is, I, I thought about that too, but we saw Ed Harris, the man in black, drag Kissy... From mm-hmm. Sweetwater. So, like, if there's a true. guest at the table wanting to play poker but, and the dealer gets drug off and murdered. he's the exception to the rule. He gets everything That's he true, wants. That he's the VIP. Right. Is what the, the, the park employees refer to him as. So, so if a McPoyle grabs somebody by the collar and tries to pull them away, right? what happens then? I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of these, like, I, I don't know exactly. Like, the, the cleanest thing is, is everybody's instance from everybody else, which would imply heavy use of virtual technology. Right. Um, but also it would imply, like, if there'd be perhaps dozens of maves running around, and it doesn't seem like that's the case. Sure. So it's like, it's, there's Because real... they're worried about, like, when they pull a single one. Yeah, it's going to wreck the story. It would wreck the story, but I guess that might be true they, of like an AI, And they AI, also talk right? about the, the like, head writers are always saying, oh, you know, the guests always fuck up your stories when they want to, you know, get their rocks off or kill something. So, I mean, again, this is I, – I could be complaining about sound effects in space. Right. I just don't know. I don't know what is the real questions or what the questions Jonathan Nolan would rather me just kind of go yeah, through. And, and when I talk about these things, I'm not complaining about no, them necessarily. I'm exploring I'm, them. I'm, right. I'm, I'm trying to figure Westworld. them out. I'm fucking with their writers. Yeah, Lee deserves to be fucked with this guy. <laughs> I man, I can't tell you how glorious the final scene is with him, yeah. but we'll get there. Uh, so 
the Maeve is using a, a story about dreams and or she's spinning a story about dreams and, and making choices to this guy to try to convince him to pay for her services right. um, or to I guess she she is the madam of this. Yes. Of this saloon of yes. this inn or whatever it is. And uh-huh. she's pawning people off on her prostitutes. Right. Um, so she's in the middle of the story and she freaks out um, because she's got memories of being scalped. And Although I would say I would be highly offended if Maeve was pulling this smack on me and I'm like, hell yeah, I can be whatever I fuck. And, and she's like, oh, we'll see this person behind the door. I'm like, no. Yeah. No. That's what? Not, come on. Yeah. That's, I was sold a bill of goods. Was this like a fucking salesperson? Like I thought I was getting right. the Ford Taurus and you just put me into a Chevy Malibu. Like what the hell? Is that that feels like an upgrade to me, but <laughs> all right, sure. I tried to do the equivalent kind of generic family sedans. All right. Uh, Yaris. Maybe you get a Yaris. Ooh, or a minivan. Put you Ooh. in a Pontiac Voyager. A 1994 <laughs> Pontiac Voyager. Peeling I've paint. I've been in one of those. I have too, man. My parents had one. Yep. Four fucking four-cylinder four minivan. Who would have thought? Uh, so the lab techs examine her, and they they deem her fit. They they just look at her, say, I'd fuck her, and send her back on her way, apparently. Yep. Th- these are great techs here. Um, also, like oh, I, oh, this is narration though. These are the these are the guys from narration, right? The storytellers. Yeah. So they look at her. They don't see anything They're wrong. Tier ones. They fuck up bump, bumper aggressions up to twenty percent. Right. Which I love how they contrast that with the technicians, like one point eight or whatever percent. Yeah. Very precise. Right. It's like when you read patch notes from that. That reminds me of reading patch notes from like a division or the De- or destiny or World of Warcraft. Like you know, Paladin's area attack has been buffed by three point seven percent. Yeah. Because they've crunched a fucking number. Numbers and they know that's what it needs to bring it a little bit more into balance. Mm-hmm. Whereas this this dumb fuck is like the guys on the forums that just want, you know, this thing's OP, please nerf, or this sucks, right. please buff. Needs yeah. to be at least twice as awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so for, for a writer, Jonathan Nolan seems to have a surprising amount of hostility towards people working in narration. Yeah. Right? Yeah, this show really just it's takes really, a dim it, view it, of them. It's really taking it to writers. <laughs> it is. Hollywood writers. Uh, I don't know. That's something I I like about it. There there seems to be a bit of a manifesto for the show later on. Well, and I also wonder if this is going to be if uh, how meta this is going to get. If he's like mm-hmm. comparing a hackneyed writer to a real auteur like Ford, right. who is doing something very subtle um, and more and, and much more interesting. And like that's like him and his brother versus yeah, Michael Bay. Sure. Sure. Is that a guy, or have I done my Aaron thing? That's a guy. Combi- okay, good. No, that's that's Transformers guy, right? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, the Rock guy. But I'm like sometimes I would like take uh, two different crappy directors yeah. and combine their names because uh, my brain's but, just a bunch of word salad. But yeah, I do. I do feel like there's a bit of a manifesto at the end of this episode where Anthony Hopkins is saying, sure. "Look, the yeah, the cheap thrills are easy, right? And there are plenty of cheap thrills in this show. Right? If that's what you want to come to it for. Go for it. Right." Uh, you'll see all the killing you can handle, all the raping and pillaging you want. But if you want to dig deeper, you can. Right. The, the story allows for that. And that's a Nolan Bay kind of dichotomy. Like, uh, I want to give something, I want to give the people something new and interesting to think about or see. And Bay's like, mm-hmm. I just want to give the people what they want. Right. Fucking explosions and titties. Cheap and thrills. Golden hour photography, mm-hmm. slow walks into the camera, <laughs> explosion. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Bernard's discussing some some things that are bothering him with Ford, and 
He's apparently worried about diddlers getting their hands on their hosts. <laughs> Those diddlers, man, they're dangerous. Uh, Ford ends the conversation by proclaiming what they do witchcraft, essentially. Like, look, we're doing something here, and we don't quite understand it, but we're going to keep doing it because it's interesting. He's compared himself to a warlock and to Mother Nature in the past two episodes. Right. Uh, I also like the idea And that God. We create life itself, you know? Right. I mean, he, does he think God's a diddler? <laughs> I don't, you know, like God didn't really some of his representatives on Earth certainly are. Uh, I will say that I thought it was also interesting because we saw that Bernard whispered something into Abernathy's ear. It's probably a shutdown command. I don't know if we'll ever find out. Mm-hmm. But he mentioned specifically that it's it's harder than he thought to turn these characters off, which you know might mean some flashing alarm bells as far as like if you're feeling dis- un- uncomfortable abusing this simulated human mm-hmm. maybe they're not as simulated as you think but i thought that was an interesting point of something i thought that i was seeing and he confirmed it in this episode yeah uh th- this is one of the the questions like when every time i hear ford talk about you know messing with powers beyond their understanding i guess right um i, I always come back to the idea of whether or not a that should be allowed and b whether or not it can even be stopped Right. Um, because, you know, I mean, that's essentially Skynet, right? It's essentially every, it's the Matrix. Like, we don't understand what we've created until we've created it, and by then it's too late. Yep. Um, it's just my, how real life plays out. Yeah, it doesn't seem like something that can even be prevented. I, and I, I actually think that Westworld is at a nice time in human development because there's been a lot of smart people, uh, among them Stephen Hawking and Elon Musk, talking about like the fact that we are right now playing with forces that we don't understand right. vis-a-vis artificial intelligence and whatnot. Maybe the Westworld is a great way for society at large to look and, at and grapple these questions before it's too late. Yeah. Uh, I, hmm. I don't know. Because I think all of this experimentation should be allowed. And therefore you wouldn't be able to prevent any kind of catastrophe like that that would happen, right? Yeah, but, like, it's like new, the the ban on nuclear weapons testing. Like, the world came and it's like, you know, we can't really just be cowboys about this anymore. Uh-huh. Um, we're going to fuck up. The, I, I do think that maybe in, like, chemical warfare, like, that stuff is very tightly regulated, human experimentation, and et cetera. Sure. It does feel like maybe someone should put some smart controls about this and, and you know, be, before it's too late. But then again, <laughs> yeah, I just I, I wonder if you if you would even recognize where the event horizon is. Well, that's or right. If it would just be too late before you knew it. Sure, sure. So, whatever. Uh, William and his friend walk into town. Whatever. I, I actually if we found, kill I, ourselves. I think his name's no Logan. Big deal. Logan is the friend. Yeah. Okay. Uh, William and Logan walk into town. They're approached by the whores, who they pretty much ignore. Uh, some guy falls off his horse, and William goes to help him, but Logan says. It's all a put on to rope you into something. We're here to drink. Let's go. Uh, just you know, I want to talk about because there was a lot of theories that I didn't ultimately use in the mailbag because I found them unconvincing. But I want to talk them, talk about them in case people want to flesh them out or definitively disprove them. But there's this theory on Reddit and and elsewhere, and it got emailed to me that that there's some evidence that that we're actually seeing a different timeline than what we are experiencing in the first episode and even in the. Ford and Bernard conversations, and they use the fact that the that the sheriff is no longer recruiting for the guy up in the mountains. It's a Union soldier that's recruiting for the Civil War, mm-hmm. and the fact that there's an older Westworld logo in the William scenes where he's getting dressed versus the modern Westworld logo that we're seeing 
in the scene where um, well, uh, the head writer's unveiling his Blazing Saddles saga, the Ford. Um, I just want to say that the reason the sheriff is no longer around is because he was well, no, that that whole plot went. We saw the culmination of that plot. The mm-hmm. whole town got shot up, shot up, and everyone died. Right. So there's a new plot. Also, the, the there's a real world explanation for the logo differences, and that's the fact that Westworld had many, 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 many reshoots. And uh, there's a, a the most compelling explanation I found of why the logo and and William scenes were different than the scene at the end is just because they evolved the production in between the shutdown and the reshoots. So. I'm not saying there isn't an alternate timeline, but it does. If, if so, it does seem like they are. That that that's that's going to be like one of those hidden truths because nothing that I see requires that you believe that there is some time trickery or right. alternate timelines to understand the action that's going down. And in fact, a lot of the stuff just wouldn't make sense. And I, I feel like the logos can be explained. By just the fact that the park has been around so long. Shit, how many I mean, different logos does Bald Move have? Like, our Facebook right. logo looks different, and, like, we've kind of got one we've arrived on, but we haven't yeah. gone and scrubbed every instance of the old shitty logos from the internet. No, and why would you throw out lab coats that have a very similar logo? Because um, the lab technician also has one on his his lab coat or whatever. Why'd you throw those out? Just keep using them. Maybe this lab tech has been there for 25 years. Sure. And that's just his coat. Well, plus, like, I, I, I one of my one, one of my first jobs was FedEx, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like I was around the logo change from Federal Express yeah. to FedEx, and it was kind of like a cool thing if you still had the old shit, right? Like it was a little bit of a a, a badge of pride to, to the extent that you have a badge of pride about uh, slinging career, packages, yeah, slinging packages <laughs> on an airport tarmac. But um, I did it too. So, yeah, no. Yeah. So I, I think that that's uh, it, it's it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about those technicians? Are sure. they are they a little too fifth element for you? Just kind of doofusy. Yeah, I mean not just doofusy, but this even their the the way they've dressed them up. Mm-hmm. Like they got this weird their helmets, their, their hel- visors, yeah, or whatever they all are. That. Yeah. It's like I feel like Zorg's going to come out and have chocolate syrup dripping down his face any minute now. <laughs> it could be. Start talking uh, about how useful yeah. all these machines are. Look at them whirl around and I guess fucking choke on my cherries. Reminiscent of that, yeah. So anyway, Does, wanted... do they have Fred Flintstone garbage disposals under their desk? <laughs> it's a living. Uh, yeah, just wanted to sneak that one in. Okay. Uh, Bernard brings Dolores into an unused area of the facility and asks her if anyone has altered her programming since they last spoke. He's trying to see if her core heuristics have been tampered with. She says no, and he says she shouldn't tell anyone about their talks because there's something different about her, and essentially people wouldn't like it. Those people. I love the when she says, have I done something wrong? He's like, oh, no, no, no. And she says, have you? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was cool. He sure has. Like, again, Dolores. isn't that some other alarm bells? It's the fact that androids are kind of turning the tables on you, prosecutor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know what else you want to say about that, but I'm moving on. Uh, we the, did delete the comment. We talked about that, right? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. that's probably going to be significant, and whether you believe her or not, probably something we're supposed to wonder. I don't believe her. Not for a second. Uh, so the madam's running her game on a woman this time, and there's a good amount of more, uh, a good amount more aggression here. Uh, she still doesn't catch the fish, though. The, the fish gets loose. And she's noticeably more aggressive with yeah. this, poor, this poor woman. Grabbing asses. I think uh, I, I think she might. Skirts. If she had the 1.8 more percent aggressive, maybe she would have landed the fish. 
I think this girl wanted to so. take take uh, a simulated woman for her, for a simulated ride. I think so. Yeah, she might have actually been scared off by the aggression. Would you but... Would you fuck a simulated dude just for just to see what it's like? I suppose. Why not? Like it was complete privacy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Sure. All right. That sounds interesting. I don't know. <laughs> you know what, Jim? On this podcast, I'm finding out who you really are. <laughs> yeah. Well, when all the rules are gone, <laughs> then you'll find out. Uh, Not until then. Uh, so she goes to the bar to get a drink where she talks with another woman who has been having nightmares. Uh, this other woman is Clementine. She's one of the whores. Uh, Maeve tells her to count backward from three to wake herself up. And she sends her back to work and then has another quick flashback. Uh, she's a little worried about that flashback. Mm-hmm. Things are not going her way lately. Yep. Uh, anything else you want to say about this scene? Uh, it kind of just is more reinforcing this idea that Maeve is having some problems. Well, I also like, I think the other thing they're going for is this butterfly effect situation where they're having all these similar experiences. Like her and Teddy have like three different encounters that go quite a bit differently. Mm-hmm. And they're just robots talking to each other. And, you know, you mentioned that like the Pontypool style verbal infection. I wonder if that's an inevitability that like these robots are just talking to each other. And it's like, you know, I've had this weird, I mean, it, it's... Is this is this show going like a Lord of the Flies situation where all humans are evil and just like this is our baser instinct and like or is it going like a Spartacus direction that there's going to be some kind of robot uprising that maybe even Ford is engineering on purpose? It kind of feels like it as like a way trying to, to head God. off this other management thing that's trying to do something more nefarious or I, I don't know, but they're well maybe that too, yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like he has is the term God complex. Where he wants to be God, or at very at the very least, he wants to forward humanity. He seems remarkably, and of course, this might be just be Anthony Hopkins, uh, you know, putting me to sleep with his, you know, stroking my belly like a, I'm a <laughs> crocodile or something. But uh-huh. he seems awfully humble and level headed and altruistic for a man of the God complex. Okay, but that might be just what Hannibal Lecter wants me to think. Could be that son He's, of a bitch. Got those those dead eyes. You can't read them. <laughs> uh. So the techs have noticed Maeve's problems and decide to decommission her. Uh, it seems like they have some kind of wireless access to these hosts because they sub in Clementine just immediately. Yeah. Like from their, their iPads or whatever the sure. fuck those things are. Right. Uh, and it's just seamless, I guess. Mm-hmm. She becomes the madam. Yep. And the other just becomes the old nag about to be put out the pasture. Which I had a lot of questions about, like how they would have access to old configurations and and memories and stuff. Well, maybe they do have, like, a centralized database or a server for all this stuff. But if you're connected wirelessly... They have to be. I mean, if they're connected wirelessly, come on. Right. Unless there was some kind of wireless war of 2052 (laughs) that they banned (laughs) all wireless communications, it would have to be. Sure. Uh, So it seems like maybe they could access all that stuff from the server. Right on. And don't need to store it. Um, so Bernard finds Teresa smoking, and she tells him to be ready for launch. He's like, yep, we will be, and asks about the Abernathy problem. Bernard says it's all been cleaned up. No more problem. When they're saying be ready for launch, are they talking about the new plot line or something else? Yeah, I think it's the new plot. Because it could be read, because I think Bernard would be in on, since he's, he's, he's fucking the administrator here, I mm-hmm. think he would be in on whatever the deeper level baloney is. He's he's confidants of Ford and what is her name? Teresa. Teresa, I forget her last name. Well, the, so this is the administrator. Um, yeah. It seems like he would have the appropriate knowledge to put all this stuff together. Um, so when they're saying be ready for the launch, they might actually be talking about the the game within the game. 
Yeah, but Bernard also heads up the construction of new bots. Sure. And Lee's going to need a bunch for his new story, so I right. assume it's the launch. Okay, of that's that story. probably the that's probably the the most accurate reading. I agree. Okay, uh, so William and Logan are eating. The guy who fell off his horse earlier comes up to offer him an opportunity, and Logan is not having it. He stabs him through the hand. <laughs> that's hilarious because that's exactly <laughs> what my notes say. <laughs> Black Hat is not having it and stabs the old fucker, period. That is what my notes say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a little more colorful than mine. Uh, I wonder if people, because at one point we shared all of our show notes out uh, mm-hmm. to like the Mine are still members. all shared. I, I, you can get them. Are, yeah. Oh, are they? Because I, mm-hmm. I think I never did the folder structure necessary to do that. But I, I wonder if oh. people ever still do pour through our notes to see like what our show notes look like. Well, they'll see Mariposa written like 15 times in my notes <laughs> and me actively <laughs> saying Maeve. So. That might be your last name. I don't know. Um, Maybe. Logan, you've had this experience where some jackass is telling you about this awesome new video game, has you over at his house to show it to you, and he impatiently, like, you don't get to experience the game the way he experiences it. He impatiently, he just like rips the control out of your hand. No, no, get this, skip all this dialogue and shit. I just want you to see this one thing. I'm like, right. dude... This is my first experience in Westworld. Back the fuck off. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. No, I'm with you. I That would probably ruin my experience. Yes. And I, This guy's I don't, the worst. If you want someone to appreciate something in the same way you did, maybe let them experience it. And also don't do the, the thing way. where, like, when your favorite part of the movie comes up, you just lock laser vision on and they can see you <laughs> right. staring at them like at a lab experiment and they're in their favorite sequences. That's also not cool. Yeah. Let, yeah, me, so, let me get let me get immerse myself, man. If uh, I want to lo- shoot a whore, I'll shoot a whore. If I want to fuck a old prospector <laughs> that I picked up on the street, I'll fuck an old prospector. Okay? Sure, why not? You know, does, does, he, does he take this guy to bed? Does he stab him through the hand and <laughs> then take him did. to bed? He worked up at. He's got a new hole. Never, never <laughs> oh, fucked God. a prospector in the palm before. You know, there's nothing in the terms of service about that. There was in not the TNA. Watch TNA, out for the tumble- TNC. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the TNA and the TNC. What's the C? Terms and conditions. Oh, yeah. I thought you were actually saying like making a tits and ass joke with palm. I'm like, cut. What cut? Mm, what what could be no. TNA? It's all about the TNA as well. Uh, so yeah, he goes off to bang some whores. Uh, Clementine tries to please William, but he's really not interested in banging because he's got somebody he loves at home, which we're we're finding more and more out about William every day. And also, he would not use friend to describe Logan. Right. Important. Uh, I wonder if he's like. What a coworker, a brother-in-law. I, like, I, I know I love going on vacations, expensive vacations with coworkers. I can barely stand. Maybe maybe it's like a brother-in-law. Maybe it's like mm, brother-in-law would be. That seems about right. That's a rookie mistake. You get talked into something like that. It's like yeah. it, it's just going to end badly. You're babe. just being polite. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so Lee is sizing up a new host with a seriously honking snoot. This guy's got a big old nose, and he is displeased, to say the least. He smashes the nose, and he shouts at the artist to start the fuck over. Teresa walks in, and Lee asks her for 50 hosts instead of 20. What's funny is, like, I thought the Aqualine specifically talks about having that pronounced, almost hook, like, like beak-like schnoz. And he's taking this woman to task for creating someone who looks exactly the way he wanted him to look. He's he's looking for a, a romanticized version, an idealized version. Did they actually? Did you compare? Because I didn't have. I, I meant to. Uh, I have notes in here to do that, but I forgot to um, compare to see if his nose actually got tweaked for the update. 
I think it did. Did it? Okay. Yeah, I didn't see anybody with that nose for sure. Well, it's the same guy. Essentially, they uh-huh. only changed the nose if that's what right. they changed. So. Yeah, I, plus, I mean, Lee's just an asshole, right? I mean, maybe he's the worst. Maybe he specifically requested this nose, and then at some point was like... Well, he's the type of writer that uses a word like aquiline and doesn't understand what it means. I don't understand what it means. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is, Hold but I'm not a writer, so... Uh, okay, it literally means adjective like an eagle of a person's nose hooked or curved like an eagle's beak. <laughs> Synonyms hooked, curved, I bent, think she angular, Roman. Yeah, that's what I I'm saying. I think she nailed it. I think he fucking thought it like mid button nose uh, or something. Right. Uh, and then he just wanted Brad Pitt's nose when he asked for button nose. So what the fuck? <laughs> uh, so a nose that ages backwards in a person's face. <laughs> right. They can do that with robotics. Sure. Why not? It's a weird fetish, but you know, who are who am I to deny a person their backwards aging nose fetish? <laughs> Uh, so Teresa asks if Ford has signed off on the news story yet, and Lee's Lee doesn't care. Mm-hmm. He's just he's just in his own world here. Um, so Ford takes an elevator into Westworld, where he meets a boy, and he invites that boy on a walk. He does something interesting with his feet too. Did you notice that? He just looks at him and kicks, kicks oh, sand he, around. He looks almost like, you know, in The, the Princess Bride where uh, Prince Humperdinck is, like, reenacting the sword fight and he's kind of, like, doing these steps as if he's trying to retrace this. Mm. I, I felt okay. like he was deliberately either doing some kind of shamanistic magic, <laughs> like a snake charmer routine. Rain dance. And he, he, that's the thing he does when he wants to call up a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's That's disturbing. Um, but, or maybe he's trying to do some kind of sequence to unlock something or retrace the steps. I don't. There's something to that though. They definitely, with the camera, drew attention to it. Yeah, I, I feel like it has something to do with the, the buried town. Because so a lot of people are speculating about this town sure. being the old Westworld town. Yeah, uh, oh, from yeah. the original movie, and maybe this is the thirty years in the past, yeah. the, the epic failure, whatever it's called. It's time to bring up. It's time to shake things up. Yeah, epic fail part two. I, so maybe he's... It's going to float out of the ground, Dr. Manhattan style. Just... Yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what his God beliefs are here, but he seems to be a very, like, spiritual person, if that's the word for it. Yeah, right. So maybe he's, like, connecting with this old set by rubbing his feet around on it <laughs> or, or on the dirt that has covered it. You can't know dirt until you walk on it. Yeah, um, something did, like that. Did you think this boy was real when you first saw him? Yes, because I, he speaks of like a vacation I'm that his on family's holiday. on. Yeah, yeah, and he had the English accent. It doesn't seem like it belongs here. Yeah, um, I was convinced that, and I'm like, I don't know if it's a great idea for the old man to lead the boy into the desert. Where is this going? This is HBO. I <laughs> mean, was there a content advisory for child rape uh, in this right. episode? Like, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Hannibal seems, strikes again. Seems later on that the kid is not real. I'm pretty sure. Uh, anyway, the man in black and Lawrence arrive in in his hometown. Uh, his family spots him and comes over to greet him. The we we cut over to the techs who notice that the man in black is going buck wild in Wester, Westeros. West, <laughs> in Westworld. Now that's 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 the world I'd go to. Yeah, Westeros. Uh, and this guy wants to slow him down, but one of the Hemsworth kids says, "Leave him alone." Uh, the man in black gets what he wants. Mm-hmm. And he asks Lawrence to find the entrance to the maze. Lawrence is like, look, I don't know what that is. So what he is, starts shooting people up. What does slowing the man in black down look like? Sending a lot of goons to just literally like slow his, his 30 pace. seconds, 45, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just 
goon after goon, I guess. He runs out of bullets to start pistol whipping guys. I mean, I guess, but like it doesn't seem like there's a way to really slow this guy down. I don't know. Can they like I mean, if it's VR, could they manifest like a river that he can't cross? Could they could be. Now there I you go. Know. They could actually play at the world like have a windstorm whip up. Right. I did like his point about in the real world, there's chaos and randomness, and people make random. But in this world, everything literally is scripted. Yeah, um, and that—that's another cool kind of video game thought. Is like that's when you when playing a video game, you see something weird. Mm-hmm. Your first thought is like, oh, someone is wasn't as, your first thought isn't someone is asleep on the map maker. Your first thought is, oh, I wonder where this is going. This must right. be something. It's mm-hmm. a switch that does nothing. Oh my god, is it? This is going to unlock something. Um, I, I just like I said, I, I love the analogies from video games to real life that this show is bringing up. Uh, so the man in black starts shooting the bartender uh, and killing Lawrence's cousins who've shown up to protect him. Uh, he shoots his wife, and before uh, his daughter gets shot, she delivers a few cryptic words about where the maze is. Mm-hmm. says, it's not for you. Follow the blood arroyo to where the snake lays its eggs. Yeah. Uh, I, so there's a couple things interesting for men and man in black theorizing. Uh, he says, in a sense, I was born here. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're, if you're, uh, the man in black is actually some kind of rogue AI that sets your alarm bells off because in a very real sense, he would be born here. Yeah. But it but seems also, like that's not true because the techs see him and go, one of the guests is off, off the rails. Also the, the, the biggest, so the, there's two things. If you're a firm believer of Ed Harris is an, is an escaped AI, I guess you'd have to say it's an escaped AI. Mm-hmm. Because he'd like evolved to a point where he could pass for human and get out through the gold mesa and all that stuff, right? Uh, yeah. Why don't they know that? And also, why do the simulation bullets not work on him? Because even if you were an escaped droid, yeah, you come back to the thing. I would think that the bullets would impact you now because you're still not mm-hmm. alive. I don't know how that technology works, but unless I mean the the bullets don't actually do anything and the robots are planned are programmed to make it real. Oh, right, right. right. Like, the, the wired for a squib kind of right. theory. So a, a digital bullet hits so he him could or just whatever. Be like, I, I have it, man. Yeah, not doing that. Okay, that would make sense. Okay. So, so he maybe, could be a robot. Right, right. <laughs> I don't know. It, it is still weird that they wouldn't recognize him as a robot. Yeah, like, you know, Ford would. Like, yeah. you know, especially if he's ra- raising this kind of ruckus. I mean, mm-hmm. Maybe he had a facelift. Maybe he, you know, changed his nose from aquiline to button. I don't know. <laughs> right. Uh, the other thing that's really sadistic is, like he said, you know, you spend enough time here, you can see the cracks. But when you're suffering, that's when you're the most real. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's crazy. Because I've noticed that, like, when people are afraid or angry, like, they're at their most bestial, that that is, like, you know, like uh, – Almost everyone, like if you push an angry person to their limits, like mm-hmm. they, the behavior that angry people show is almost like there's almost no variation. Yeah. Where you have a, engaged someone in a conversation, God knows what you'll get. Right. I think that's kind of an interesting point that like when people are having severe emotional primitive reactions that we all kind of become the same person. Okay. Yeah. It's more reflexive than, yeah. than any kind of choice you make. Yeah. Uh, sure. I could see that. I, I am super curious uh, about ed harris character the man in black why he gets whatever he wants what what arrangement does he have with the curators of this park he tips well he might i mean like it might just be like i, said, I like, paid 400 million dollars for this experience i'm staying here as long as i want i'm doing whatever i it's want it's like when you slip the bartender a 20 with your first drink <laughs> right. of the night 
you, you get a little something for that. Yeah. Could be. And maybe that's why he hasn't been back in a while, because he's been saving up. Mm-hmm. He's been scrounging his, his couch cushion money to right. come back for the real experience. Uh, and he says, this time I'm never going back. So... That's super interesting. I I don't know where he expects days, to get. Ed. You got twenty eight days according to terms and conditions. Do you? And that's I, I don't know if they apply to him anymore. Well, though. and the other thing is like, what would breaking the maze within the maze or the game within the game? How would that allow you to stay forever? I don't know. And why would you want to stay here forever? That's the other thing. Is like even if you unlock another level to the game, like still, still. It would get boring and repetitive. Or maybe he expects to die at the end of this journey. Yeah, that's possibility, too. Uh, like, he wants to do something so fucked up and crazy, he might die in it, but it's going to change the world. I, I don't know. Right. Who knows? But it it has it has my mind spinning, and I'm real glad for that. Maybe he's the Judas Steer. The who? The Judas Steer. Judas Steer? Judas Steer, you know the mm-hmm. oh yeah, what the Dolores was talking about—the one cow that be, that leads all the others oh, to the slaughterhouse. Right, right. Uh, so Ford and the kid arrive at the top of a mountain. They look into the distance, and Ford helps the kid imagine a white town with a bell. And then he mind controls a snake, <laughs> and he sends the sends the boy. Apparently, mind controls the boy too. Sends him off after telling him never to come back to this place. Sure. This boy, this boy has got to be a host, right? I think so. Either that or he's really, really easily influenced. <laughs> right. Or maybe Anthony Hopkins is a Jedi. Yep. Uh, I, I, the, so this town had a white church, but all we see is the remnants of a little black steeple. Yeah. It's probably confusing. burnt, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would buy that. I, I just, at the end, when he kind of unveils this to Bernard as mm-hmm. his, the creation he's been working on for so long, I'm like, there's nothing here. Mm-hmm. Like, you haven't actually created anything. Do you have, all like, a narration in your head? Do you have an idea of what this place is going to look like? So do you... I was talking to someone on a PlayStation party last night. We were talking about Westworld, and I had not seen this theory discussed much anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I got something that touched on it, but his theory was that Ford is going to introduce religion into the world. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting idea. And that you, instead of... that That, that like... The white hats and the black hats, they'll actually be some kind of philosophical and physical war that they'll fight for, like, the soul of Westworld. Mm-hmm. Or, alternatively, there'll be some kind of Christ figure risen up from the, and- the the robots that will lead them to some kind of, you know, I don't know. Like, they could either leave, leave, leave them to hell, oblivion, or heaven. Who knows? And I think that's, like, there's the conspicuous at the end when he the conversation you mentioned, it, all, it goes right up to the steeple. And yeah. And you see the cross. Yeah, and it's conspicuous that in this this wild west town, mm-hmm. we haven't seen a church. Yeah. We haven't seen a preacher. We right. haven't seen... Like, those are the things you see in every western. Sure. Like, the church is a central focus of the town. So right, that, but every airport you go to has got a chapel. Every hospital you go to right. has got a chapel. Like, people, like, you know, that's not me, but there's a lot of people that like to stay in touch with spirituality. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine there's a lot of people that go to Westworld for some good old wholesome family values, you know? Like this is when this is when men were men and women were women and Okay. Cows yeah. are cows. <laughs> the cows the, have really and, changed. And the flies are real. That's that's the, right. the, the times you could you could depend on. Yeah, no, I, I think that's an interesting idea, especially. Minorities with... knew their place and weren't too fucking uppity. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there are people who who think like that? Native Americans were voiceless savages. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the good old days. 
Yep. Uh, so Bernard arrives home where Teresa meets him and they bang and they talk about the error correction of the hosts and how they practice being human by talking with each other. They bang. That, that, that's what's in your notes. They bang. They bang. Yeah. All right. She bangs, he bangs, they bang together. <laughs> uh, we get a little insight on the programming of the hosts, which I like. They, mm-hmm. they are programmed to kind of consult each other and talk and try and figure out what it means to be human. I, that's, I a, just, that's a fucking dangerous prime directive to give give a robot, I it, think. It really is, and it's an odd one when you're considering that these are two robots talking with each other. Is, like, is, how do they learn what it means to be like a human if they're talking with a robot? Wouldn't that make them more robotic? Wouldn't that make them more like the other robots? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, because you'd think, like... I see how many people go wrong uh, when you're just talking about other humans. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, what's up with insert class that you don't understand? You know, like, what's up with rich people or what's up with black people or what's up with... And you're not in that group and you're just kind of speculating amongst the other... Right. Know, about what it's like. And yeah. like, hey, maybe we should just... Add. Yeah, you'd it doesn't think give you any insight. robots would get a lot of bizarre ideas about what it means to be human, especially in this fucked up place. Right. I think we have to rape at least one person a day. That's the key to yeah. humanity. Yeah. Arbitrary outburst of violence and drunk. That's that's what it means to be human. Yeah, and I mean even even that that would make sense within Westworld because like I would think the way to become more human and more lifelike would be to observe people who are that thing. Sure, not to talk amongst your fellow robots. But I guess if you're about that thing, because imagine like I was thinking about this small this small like across the border Mexican town. Mm-hmm. How many people go there? But there's like 50, 60 robots just polishing glasses and, you know, doing whatever they do and all day long. Like, I guess they, you know, I, I kind of wondered if there wasn't a host around that if they were just kind of like, you know, catatonic. But apparently they go mm-hmm. and live their lives, quote unquote lives. That's super, yeah. super interesting. Yeah, uh, it is. I, I guess we also learned some stuff, some more stuff about the facility here because there are there's housing for all these people. I mean, mm-hmm. Bernard, when he goes home, doesn't leave the facility. Right. He just goes to his quarters or his apartment. Um, I guess that makes sense because they're kind of in the middle of nowhere, but it raises questions about the ability, the travel capabilities of these future humans, right? right? Like, they really don't have the ability to travel fast enough to go home for the night. <laughs> hmm. Like, do they not have high-speed trains? Do they not have flight? Hmm. Is this is this something where maybe like they don't want they don't want to fly because the bots might see them in Westworld or or the guests might see them leaving or yeah may yeah because yeah I could see but wouldn't that also be explained like if they're in this VR world that they they you know I guess they could leave an emergency but it's like one of those things where you know, there's no reentry ticket. So like I don't I don't think there's like an overnight like or like let's say that you are like you live in Orlando you can go to Disney World and not and stay in your own house like is that what you're saying Yeah essentially like is there any like, like there's so far passes? and well no I I mean like the actual people who work at Disney World don't live there right right because they're close enough and they have the ability to travel home so my understanding because they talk about being that this is like living on an oil rig that it's right. so intense. 
or like a submarine rotation or like a, you know, just having a weekend pager rotation that it's like whatever this responsibility is so intense and 24 seven that a human being couldn't do it all the time. Right. So you go in and you like work a week and then you're off a week or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know the exact details, but the way they speak about it seems like they have these crews that rotate on and off much like an oil rig or a submarine. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, I guess how, how has this land not all been built up? I, I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm really starting to think this is a lot of VR. Okay. Because also, how would you keep a guy that lives next to Westworld from just taking his four wheeler and just be like, "Wee ha!" Right. And you know, with his machine guns and shit, and of blows, course, you know, it's like so. Maybe there, it, if it's a physical space, it's highly, highly restricted and guarded. Yeah, and it's enormous. And yeah, uh, but still finite. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm starting to think that maybe our initial inclinations about this being VR, or it's, it's got to be some kind of combination. Well, there is an interesting, uh, I guess, on the Delos website. There's an interesting uh, corporate map. I, I think it's a screen cap pulled from a video. Okay. And they show the whole facility, Mesa Gold. Um, there are executive offices up at the top. There's executive living quarters, regular living quarters. So even the right. the underlings here live on site. Hmm. Um, there's a control room, there are administrative offices, narrative and design has their own levels, uh, behavior lab and diagnostics Mm -hmm. is kind of under that. this is all like stacked top to bottom here. Then there's manufacturing, which is a big chunk of it. Uh, livestock management. Mm -hmm. Not sure exactly what that means. I know it's livestock refers to the bots. Are those the like acrylic rooms or those are the diagnosis rooms probably? Probably. Yeah. Uh, and then the archives, which I guess is informational archives. Or are they the um, subfloors where they store the old livestock? Well, no, because then they also have, um, under that, they have the arrivals monorail terminal. So you come in kind of at the bottom huh. of the facility. Then they have old disused facilities, uh-huh. which I, ca- I guess are just there from 30 years ago or whatever. And then they have cold storage at the very bottom. Hmm. How many floors did they identify how many floors there are? That well, it's so sublevel... B eighty three, I think, was, was cold storage. Week, yeah. So it must be Is like just eighty-three one floor? levels. No, it looks like several. Oh shit. Um, okay. So they have a lot of cold storage down there. But I don't know. It was interesting to see the the whole facility laid out like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving on, Elise uh sorry, not Elise, Elsie examines Maeve. She bumps up her emotional acuity, and the other tech asks about dreams and says Maeve was talking about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elsie says they give them the concept of dreams in case they forget to wipe their memories or something after they're being worked on. And then she notices some physical discomfort on her face, I guess, and schedules some maintenance. I wonder if those glasses she put on allow her to, like, see subdermal things because it seems like yeah. she's kind of giving her a look over to see what without even having to interrogate her. So, like, that, that gives you a bunch of, st- I don't know, allows her to see this infection. Yeah, I imagine... Um, I don't know. I wonder if it's like kind of programmed with the same AI that some of the bots are to to read facial gestures and all this kind of stuff. That would make a lot of sense mm. because if they're reflecting these these particular things about themselves in their in their faces, right? Maybe she could pick up on that with AI, right? And and she just has like some kind of HUD, yeah, that says, oh, she's got physical pain, right, right. So Maeve finally succeeds in hooking Clementine up with the John. And she chats briefly with Teddy, who gets randomly shot by a violent guest looking for some thrills. 
Maeve goes to bed that night and dreams of playing with her child, which turns into a nightmare of an Indian attack. Uh, and I think it's Kissy. It looks like Kissy to me with a lot of makeup on. Stalks Maeve, who has a shotgun. Oh, that would make sense. Right, because they, they he talk was a Native about, American yeah. character, and they've reused him. So right, okay. I didn't pick. I didn't catch that at all because these guys looked like something. Did you ever see Bone Tomahawk? No. These guys look just like that fucking primitive cannibal tribe from Bone Tomahawk. Okay. And I yeah. don't know whether this is an allusion to a real tribe or this is like I took it as like every time I see stuff like this, I'm like, oh, well, this is probably just like uh, old school Western cowboys and Indians, probably racially right. insensitive kind of thing. Sure. Like in, almost as is the term so. Indian. But what? Yeah, I, I, I think of this in very like Western terms, which is sure. cowboys and fucking Indians. I mean, right. It's like, is it? I don't say that to be insensitive. No, or it'd be offensive. like if, if in Westworld terms, using the term colored would probably be a polite term for black people. Right, in the world of Westworld, certainly. Yeah. yeah, so, like, when they're talking about this, it's almost like, I don't, first of all, I don't think the the head writer gives a shit. Of course. Uh, a number two, it's bag. like, they're talking about it in terms of, and then the other thing is, like, there's so much offensive shit going on in the show, and that's part of the plot, the, the point that I think that mm-hmm. one of this is just one more layer. Right. Of... You know, because like in modern, like you see in modern cinema, a lot of times they're going in a direction of trying to humanize these these Native American characters. Yeah. Whereas in Westworld, they're just like right back to savage Apache ghost warrior or whatever scalping yeah. people. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, <laughs> Lee. Jesus. Tells me you tell me a lot about yourself. You sure you a are. lot about yourself. Uh, but the door to the cabin opens, and it's the man in black instead of Kissy. Uh, she tries to shoot him, but can't kill him. So she counts backwards from three and wakes up into the real world where she's being operated on. She jumps off the table and runs amok through the facility to a room where they're cleaning up all the dead hosts where she's finally caught. Uh, kind, of, kind of a long sequence there. Uh, what, what do you want to talk about here? Uh, so Should we talk maybe about the, the man in black? Okay. Uh, opening the door? Because now is this an actual flashback, do you think, to the man in black? Yeah, I think um, this is because I also, also thought Ed Harris was made to be look noticeably younger. Oh, was he? Okay. Like not like you know <laughs> fucking right stuff era, right? But definitely maybe the Rock era. Okay, uh, like like fifteen years younger. Mm-hmm. So I think this is like her memory of you know because he even mentions with Lawrence like I when I was running with you to hunt down the ghost Apache tribe whatever. Uh, I knew what how long your dick was and what songs he whistled when he jerked off, like all this other stuff. Like he makes mention of this, I think, encounter, this campaign. Okay. And now Maeve has got this memory of it, so I think we're supposed to make the connection to that. Gotcha. Also, now that I'm thinking ma- making connections, just came to me uh, that cryptic passage where they're saying you got to go through the Blood Arroyo, which is a canyon of some sorts where the snake mm-hmm. lays its eggs. Uh, I mean, isn't it interesting that that Ford finds a snake? Like, is, is this town the actual maze that he's trying to find? I mean, I didn't see him pass through a uh, blood blood arro- hmm. blood arroyo, but... Uh, yeah, I suppose this could be a flashback. I mean, I... Well, certainly I, to, what Maeve's well, experience is a flashback. R- right, it's a flashback. I didn't finish my thought. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> this could be a flashback to the... The what what do they call it? Critical failure. Mm. This could actually be that event. That's now you're talking right stuff. Right stuff, Ed Harris. Oh well, know. yeah, that's true. That is a <laughs> long thirty years. A long time. <laughs> Although to be fair, it's not like he's changed that much. Yeah, I think the man turned went bald when he was twenty something. That's true. Yeah, 
just he's been piling the wrinkles on. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. What else? She jumps off this table. Uh, she isn't put in sleep mode here, or wakes herself up from sleep mode, which I think is more likely. Right. Uh, I don't know. I mean, this is the part, and I, I we got some people that wrote in that bothered me too. I thought this was a little immersion breaking for me that what? these technicians are just seem like they're just such dumb fucks and that they're talking about and we, no one can find out like what the hell are you talking about you're walking through this facility like if this is if this isn't as wired mm-hmm. for camera and sound as a las vegas casino then i'll be damned right so that shit's out of the bag son like the i should uh, the next episode should open up with these guys being written up and reprimanded because there's no fucking way they can hide this but yeah. if the show decides, yeah. like, again, is that part of the science fiction structure? Because I don't know. I, I, I just feel like the guests can act like stupid jackasses, but the employees, like, I guess I expect better from them. Okay. I, I'm with you. These guys did seem a little, what, wet behind the ears? Like, rough talk and, like, you know, being insensitive about the robots and all that. Like, that's one thing. But they just seem stupid. Yeah. Like Bill and Ted stupid. <laughs> Right. Was what did you think of the horrific scenes that she comes across though? These these bodies being kind of I mean, dropped a, and hosed off. It's and, a horror show. Like literally right. it's something out of Resident Evil or Nazi Germany. And I like yep. there's a couple there's one point in particular where the text just threw this, I think, redheaded woman yeah. to the ground and she kinda thud and slid and I'm like Oh, it is something out of Schindler's list. You, you have to keep reminding yourself these are robots. These are I robots. <laughs> yes, they look very human-like. These are robots. Right. Otherwise, it becomes too much. Unless these robots are becoming conscious, and then that's that's another sure. whole nightmare uh, situation. Like, yeah. you know, um, I don't know. And then I thought it was interesting that they disabled her with a syringe of something. Hmm. Did yeah. you notice that? Like, it wasn't like the, with Abernathy, they shove a screwdriver up his nose. Here they're using, like, I, I the biology, the technobiology of these machines are confounding me. I would like to know more. Yeah. I, I wonder if this is, like, some kind of manual override procedure mm. where we could talk to her and say, turn yourself off, but that might not work. Right. Right. Uh, since she just came out of sleep mode no, the, on the, her the, own. I, I got a couple, like, one of the feedbacks were, like, I don't understand why these guys are so afraid of her. Yeah. Because she she's pro- programmed to well, be hurt. It was like, well, also she's programmed not to wake up when they're working up working on her. So I right. feel like running, uh, like like maybe that syringe is some kind of fail safe to where. But then again, why wouldn't they report that? Right. I mean, I guess they think that they both did something wrong or screwed yeah. up the procedure. Yeah. But again, with cameras and records that I would think they would take, that that would I don't know. Little, little, but I understand loosey goosey here. If you so every conception of of robots that i've come across is that they are superhumanly strong i don't know how that applies here when they're made out of milk but like uh you get the idea that maybe they're afraid because this thing could literally pick them up and heave them across the room and could be there's nothing they could do i don't yeah i i guess i never assumed these robots are superhumanly strong because they are made of milk yeah and i don't want to necessarily assume that but right but that could be what, what they're getting at um, but then again, you know, a human being is pretty lethal if, like, you don't uh, moderate your, your <laughs> right. you know, like, if, if you're jacked in adrenaline, you could easily kill a person barehanded. So, sure. you know, a robot with no social contract against doing that would be pretty terrifying. And also, it doesn't necessarily feel pain. 
you, you know, something that would disable one wouldn't. So I, I guess it would. I'd be afraid of this naked robot. <laughs> Me too. If it was acting, if, if in for a, nothing else, then it's surprising. It's right? malfunctioning. Like, yeah, yeah. Like it could do any. It could. It's got a knife too. By the uh-huh. way, at this point. So we go back to the beginning of the episode. Dolores finds a gun where her father found the picture. Uh, I think it's where her father I, found the picture, or close by. I don't know. It's out he, near the near the cattle fence. Is it okay? Because it seems like it's behind the barn. I don't know if it's because uh, yeah, because he he found it like right in the fencing. Yeah, maybe I'm making too much of an assumption here. Yeah, uh, that this was related to the picture. But is this some Bernard's doing? Because the other uh, verbal the other verbal cues were definitely him. So when he's well, saying get, remember and all this stuff, and she is at she's like sleepwalking. She asks here, and then uncovers this pistol. Who is she talking to? I get my my uh, reaction was she must be talking to Bernard or a yeah. memory of what Bernard was saying because that would be consistent with the rest of the episode. But who knows? I guess I I thought this narration was not happening while she was in Westworld. It was all happening while she was outside, right in the facility, right. Um, but I don't know. It, it might not be necessarily related to the picture. Uh, so I, I think this gun is real. Do you think that's a bridge too far? No, I think that, uh, lots of people, lots okay. of people speculated that. Because else, like, it, you know, guns makes in, the, a lot of sense. in the Wild West doesn't mean shit unless one of them is special. Right. So, um, and we know Dolores is special. And if she... It's got a plus three to flesh and blood humans. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Uh, then Lee introduces his latest storyline, Odyssey on the Red River. Ford shits all over it and tells him that I love I love know, the concept of the horror horror orbus horror orbus yeah no, horror there's, there's another yeah hor- there you go yeah I'll never be able to wrap my tongue around that. Uh, Do you know who Hieronymus Bosch is? I didn't until I looked it up. Okay, but, but you, I do now if, I will you, for the next two weeks and then I'll forget again. Um, but also, like you've se- definitely seen his work, like the Garden of Earthly Delights. It's the, those so, weird yeah. hellish depictions of I think hell, and there's like got like porcelain asses that are broken, mm-hmm. and there's devils roasting people, and people having. Se- it's like it's it's really fucked up medieval artwork. Yeah, I guess his signature style is is it's very detailed. It has a lot going on in the. It looks like a Where's Waldo of fornication, death, yeah. and hell. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, like so I said, you've, it's you've a pretty probably, good line. You've probably seen it at some point. It's a pretty good line from Lee. Yeah, uh, like I don't. I, I Lee's a disgusting person. He's he's just the worst. And I I don't know if they're gonna keep this this idea of Lee being just a complete hack up, and they're gonna harp on it every episode. But I'm finding it immensely enjoyable. I just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where just all of his best laid plans are just shit on immediately. Plus, he's like build himself up big and bad about yeah. oh, Mr. Ford. He's ready for the knacker yard and all this, and then Ford like just cuts him down. Yeah, in in an and, Alec Baldwin, Glenn Gary, Glenn yeah. Ross kind of style, yeah. except with a little a little more class. Right, right. Uh, but but yeah, he destroys this guy, and you can see that it's kind of it has an effect on Lee, even though Lee. Oh, he's like a little boy. At the to end. not have any respect for Ford. Yeah, I think he does. I think he has immense respect. Oh for yeah. Ford. Oh yeah. And and it, it's kind of like it reminds me of like the Don Draper relationship. Um, the other thing that reminds <laughs> me of Don Draper is uh, Logan's uh, preferred sexual routine. But um, I, what I liked about this is like you know um, that love hate relationship that like a lot of his creative had with Don. Like yeah, you know, I forget who the the guy that started going crazy and cut off his nipple, but. Oh, you know, uh, Ginsburg, like, yeah. Yeah, Ginsburg was it was like he hated him but also he wanted nothing more than his approval. 
Right. And he talks shit. Yeah, that, that reminds me a lot of this relationship. Absolutely. Um, and then Ford takes Bernard out to the desert where he shows him a steeple poking out of the ground and calls it his newest storyline and says it's something he's been working on for a long time and it's quite original. Right. Quite original. Jesus of Nazarene. A uh, couple of interesting word choices there with quite original. Why? Because last episode was called the original. Ah. Uh, we know that whatever programming Ford has done has caused um, Dolores's awakening, I guess. Right. Uh, he, he put the, the reveries in there. Right. Uh, and also, you know, quite original might actually be referring to the original town from, from Westworld. Mm-hmm. If mm. you think we're going that, true. that direction. So yeah. I, I think that's a loaded statement there. That's uh, some damn fine analysis, Jim. Damn fine okay. analysis. Did you talk about the William taking a shine to Dolores? Picking William. up her condensed milk? No, I did not. That, that all kind of happens under the, yeah, there's the like narration. A, like yeah. all this, uh, you know, uh, what do you call that, uh, montage. Um, but yeah, Wanting to see, like, gl- glimpses of who you can be. That's definitely something I think we're supposed to be picking up on. And yeah. I don't know why that's significant. Um, but, you know, William seems like the kind of guy to fall for the girl next door. That, yeah. that 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 come on would be right up his alley, and that's it for the episode. That's kind of where we go out on this church steeple. Hey, this is the point in the podcast where I tell you how you can support Bald Move. If you notice, we haven't had any ads on the podcast up until this point. Uh, you might not know this, but Jim and I are independent podcasters. We do this for our career as a business, and the only and and we do it, and we have an independent voice. Uh, we say what we want, what we think. We do we we do what we want. And uh, the things that make that possible is essentially direct listener support. And we make it easy for you. If you go to club.baldmove.com, you can sign up for a low price. You get a bunch of great features. You get ad-free feeds. If you're annoyed by ads such as this, you won't have to hear them again. You get uh, video versions of our podcasts, which is the quickest way to get them because we're recording them live. You can't get any quicker than live content. Uh, we also have special bonus features such as our lunches with Jim and Aaron, where we do a little Q and a and little soft shoe and a little tap dance. Uh, we do other interesting side projects. You can see all these pitches at club.baldmove.com. Uh, but in the end of the day, it supports our independent podcasting and, and allows us to keep doing this because, you know, I'm not saying we'd stop podcasting if it stopped paying, but we probably wouldn't podcast as much. And, and would we have taken a chance on a show like Westworld? Probably not. Not this close to Walking Dead, anyway. Ha! Wouldn't that be hilarious? We we, we watch Walking Dead in favor of the wet West World, and it'd be all your fault because you didn't support us. Uh, what what a nightmare! What a night! I feel like Maeve wa- wa- waking up in the acrylic chamber of, of horrors, like <laughs> this this potential life I could have had. Uh, Club that dot com if it, you're inclined to support us that way, and also Amazon. Uh, I just bought a sweet costume for this convention we're about to go to, and I'm about to talk to you about. Uh, it's a Game of Thrones theme, and I got it off Amazon. Amazon is remarkable. If you need a really awesome, cool costume, it's a great way to get it, and a great way to support Bald Move because you can use Amazon.BaldMove.com as your URL. Automatically, your shopping cart is loaded with Bald Move support. No extra fees to you. N- no shady, cr- weird shipping practices. It's the same product selection. It's not like there's, there's a limited a supply of bald move costume stuff it's it's wide open it just uh, is a great way to support bald move go into amazon.baldmove.com either way we appreciate all the support you can give us have you bought your tickets for the rocket city NerdCon yet and if you're just hearing westworld if you're just fi- finding us at westworld you might not have heard about this but uh 
Huntsville, Alabama is putting on this NerdCon. It's a it's a meet of, of like-minded people talking about science fiction and fantasy. Jim and I are going to be down there hosting a variety of panels and meeting and greet people at our booth. Um, it's the weekend of the 22nd and 23rd, Saturday and Sunday, and the, the, the downtown Huntsville Public Library. Um, there's going to have a pre-event at Yellowhammer Brewery if you want to check it out there. Uh, I think it's, uh, the day one tickets are like it's fifteen dollars for a day, twenty five for the weekend pass. Hmm. We've got a bunch of really cool panels that I'm excited about. Uh, I want to teach people how to build a functional bow. I'm going to hmm. we're going to be doing uh, uh, a, a a reenactment of the Red Wedding in front of people with with audience participation and a chance to win prizes. We're going to be giving away prizes at the booth. There'll be merch to buy. You can go to rocketcitynerdcon.org if you want more information about uh, ticket availability and the schedule and uh, the events. We just actually shot a promo video that's cheesy as hell and kind of slapdash, but it was fun to do. I'm going to post that uh, as a link in the show notes as well if you want to see what it's all about and and get the pitch. But hope to see you down there if you're anywhere in, in the southern area. Uh, we would love to, to because I don't think we've done. I mean, we've gone to Atlanta a few times. It's just the further yeah. south we've ventured. But yeah, so it might be if, if you haven't met us in any of the other appearances that we've had, it might be a good opportunity and uh, hope to see you down there. Got feedback. Uh, you can send feedback into us at westworld at baldmove.com or you can discuss it with like minded fans on our forums at forums.baldmove.com. Um, lots, lots, and lots, and lots of people recommended for us both to watch the BBC series Humans. Oh, yeah. Because they say that it touches on a lot of these um, singularity, artificial intelligence, what does it mean to be human type of question. Uh, and so I've, I, I feel like I'm going to move it to my off-season priority list because it does sound that, – that stuff is fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Like I love fucking stories about robots. Yeah. I love it all. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, Andy F., um, wants to talk about some theories that he had after week one of Westworld and, and reading some of this rich alternative reality game material that HBO has put out. He says the term host, I don't think that they were named that or referred to that by accident. I have a prediction. They're being engineered to be replica bodies for people to transfer their consciousness into upon their death. Hmm. Clues. We discussed some of this last week. Robert Ford saying to Bernard, we might be, or maybe even raise the dead as a possibility. Um, also, if you go to discoverwestworld.com and enter white hat, black hat into the upper right corner, um, that, that, that promo code, it will ask you to register and give you a rather disturbing quiz, which includes this question. This is the 19th question on the survey. Have you ever cried during sex? <laughs> <laughs> Only when I'm trying robot sex with a <laughs> old prospector for the first time. <laughs> Second time smooth sailing. He's got wandering hands. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, you were in a car accident, and unfortunately, there's nothing left of the wreckage. Luckily, you planned ahead and had your entire anatomy measured and mapped and all your memories logged and saved. An exact replica is constructed from this information. Is this you? That's a hell of a question to ask in connection with this show. Uh, my answer is no, but... Really? Yeah. That surprised me. I thought you would say yes. So if it's, if it's a well, replica it's... of your body and your yeah. consciousness at that point injected into it you don't think it's you wait your consciousness injected into it yeah uh says all your memories logged and saved yeah but at what point did you have that done because so so, i mean there's a certain amount of consciousness maybe all of it that has to do with continuity right like if i'm 
if I this log is, my this is Star Trek transporter then, is this is that right. you or is you just an endless cycle of clones that are being created and destroyed when you beam down to surfaces and beam up to surfaces? Right, and I would say that it is you because because of that continuity, that continuity is there. But you it, understand that as yourself. But like there's a save point version of Jim from a week ago, right? And I resurrected that, and it was walking around. That's inarguably not you. It was you at some point in time. Yeah, but, but from the no moment longer. it diverges, you're probably becoming different people. That's how I feel about okay. it. Okay, but that's that's pretty nuanced. But I like that doesn't seem to be concrete either. Like. I could entertain arguments. Sure. No, yeah. I mean, that's that's all. I mean, fortunately, I'll probably be long dead before we get to this point oh, where we're every, asking these types of questions. Everyone hearing but... this will. Unless you're living in 2143, and in that case... Why are you listening to 150-year-old podcasts of hosts that can't do math on the fly in their heads? <laughs> uh, sub-prediction. Host bodies are either fully or partially engineered out of DNA from guests. Uh, he talks about the um, terms of service. Right. Um, that the you know Delos is the sole proprietor and owner of any kind of cells that you leave behind in the park, or as Jim would put, that any cells that they might harvest from you unwillingly. Uh, also compared this with Jurassic Park, where frog DNA is mixed with dinosaur DNA, which allows the dinosaurs to circumvent the fact that they're originally engineered to be female only and thus supposedly unable to procreate. Right. Life, uh. Finds a way. <laughs> Here, using human DNA with other synthetic android DNA may be the only thing that allows some androids to circumvent their programming and wake up, become sentient, and remember their past lives. Obviously, it doesn't make strictly scientific sense, but it could be a conceit of the show, especially for a universe created by Michael Crichton. Um, sure. Also, it explains why decommissioned hosts are put in cold storage rather than destroyed or recycled somehow. They were host bodies that someone's consciousness will eventually get transferred to. I guess my question, mm. I, like the, I, I like the broad strokes of this, but it's always the devil's in the details, and that's why like, the more detailed you get in your theory and analysis, the less persuasive I find it, because like, if I'm making a clone body for myself to inhabit in a future date, why would I sublease it out to this corporation to fucking do whatever they want with it? Like maybe it's maybe like, that's how it, you pay for it. That's yeah. Like, okay. All right. There you go. You know, it's like buying a new phone through your carrier. Sure. You don't pay for the phone. No. You pay for the plan. It's a contract. Yeah. Uh, uh, in this <laughs> contract, they get to you know have sex with your phone and kill it a few times. Uh, <laughs> right. I guess. Okay, so that does make sense. I was like, they'd be the payment plan. Yeah. Uh, who is the original? The show is seemingly indicating to the viewer that the Dolores is the original android, but mm-hmm. could this be misdirection? Clues, old Bill, the android drinking the basement with Anthony Hopkins, was said to be the second android ever built. Mm-hmm. But Dolores is referred to as the oldest still in service. This creates the possibility that the original android is yet to be revealed. I have an official prediction. Ed Harris, the man in black, is the original. He's no longer technically in service because he's not a host anymore, but rather he's an android programmed to think and act as a guest. Runner-up Bernard, or someone else high up in management, if not Ford himself. I don't know why, but I like the idea that Bernard is a robot. I like the idea that Teresa's having sex with him, Mm -hmm. but yet also not really wanting to engage in meaningful conversation with him. And I, I like the fact that he clearly has some memories of like this child that he had that might have you know uh be dead or maybe it's not real i like the idea that he's the study of human nature like that feeds into what he says about what the robots do to air correct i have no real evidence well sure yeah um plus i'd be just happy to see jeffrey wright playing a robot 
Love that guy. Isn't it amazing that he can play like this nerdy kind of Asperger's type character, but he also plays this extraordinarily commanding, manipulative, fearsome person on Boardwalk Empire? Yeah. Isn't it amazing that actors can act? I, I guess that's right. what I'm essentially saying. I feel like he does have a little bit of that presence here, though, in this show, too. Really? Like he's, yeah, he does. He's, he's an administrator, he's, he's right? He's got he's an like, amazing amount of gravitas, personal gravitas yeah, about yeah. himself. Um, yeah. He's just not wielding it the same way. Yeah. You have to take him seriously mm-hmm. and not at your peril. Uh, Teresa V says, I just wondering if you've seen HBO's West, uh, website for Westworld yet, discoverwestworld.com. If you scroll down to the stay portion of the site... Uh, you can select available dates. When you check availability, you are given an access code to enter into the input box in the top right corner. So we talked about this. After you complete the prospective guest evaluation, which we just discussed, you're asked to fill out a form so they can contact you. What's interesting is if you start to fill out the form and would happen to press the shift key, this happens. And she sent me to a YouTube site which replicates the 30 seconds. And So I showed this to you previous to the podcast. How would you describe this? Uh, it's a computer playing footage of the previous episode that is malfunctioning, that is, like, that is pres- trying to shut down and is stuck in a loop. It's and- like, it's blue screening. It's going yeah. to like green screen Linux text terminal. Um, it's got Abernathy playing the hell's empty. The devils are all here. And it's extremely distorted. The video is. And, and, and played almost like a, a, a horror film kind of mm-hmm. found footage uh, or like this is going to infect you in seven days and you're going to die. A little girl's going to crawl out of your phone and kill you. And it loops uh, a couple times. It does. It yeah. loops twice and mm-hmm. then goes back to the to how it was. So it looks like they're getting all Mr. Robot up in this piece. They are. I and like it. And <laughs> I like it, but for a show that's, you know, well, I mean, you know, how, oh, my God. I just, I, I despair how long these podcasts might end up being <laughs> if this gets to be really ARG-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you think this means on where the show is headed? I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And I also don't know how I really feel about these second screen experiences. Because here's the how I feel about it. You can't rely on them to tell the narrative. Right. Uh, so ultimately, they're probably meaningless for understanding the show. Because if, if you can't understand the show without watching this shit, then the show itself is a failure. Right. Um, but on the other hand, they're fantastic ways to get us fans engaged and spinning our little hamster wheels trying to figure mm-hmm. this stuff out. Which I think you can tell by the way I described this. I I, I'm of two minds. I think it's really cool, but also it feels like I'm being given homework, busy, even worse than homework, busy work. Uh, like right. the teacher, you know, she comes in on Monday morning, she's a little hungover, so it's time to watch, uh, you know, Five Goes West and do some fucking math worksheets as she copied off the printer. Like, uh-huh. this isn't, I'm not graded on any of this, so why am I doing it? Right. But it is cool. It is cool. It, it's fun. It, it may be just there, you know, maybe they they do it so that people who do pay attention can figure this stuff out early and feel super smart. I mean, because that's the other, that's the way I engage with it. Like, yeah. I don't do the puzzle. I read Reddit 24 hours later to see other smarter people that have done the puzzle. Right. So I, it's like... It's all crowdsourced, right? Yeah. Crowdsourced learning. So it doesn't feel super rewarding for people who don't actually discover it. Right. But it is yeah, but it's so it's so weird. It's so weird to have yeah. that cuz I don't like I refuse to play video games that way. Like I don't just watch playthroughs, I play the damn game. Right. I feel like I'm watching a playthrough of this second tier storytelling well, arc. Don't go to Reddit. What can yeah. I say? Well, that's the thing. That I'm essentially bitching about being a podcaster. Right. <laughs> Why do I have to do research and read shit? I don't yeah. Yeah. Well, 
Them's the breaks. Steve J., uh, to recap of the first episode, you both seem pretty off-put by the part where diagnostics of the updated robots include an interrogation or interview. You wrote this off as being just more thematically interesting than watching an IT group plug into the robot and go through 47 billion lines of code to find the problem with the uh, problem uh, with the idea that the code doesn't lie. I actually disagree, and I think in this case uh, of these AI machines, it might be the only way to diagnose problems, something akin to doing a brain scan of a human to diagnose various social disorders. If you do an MRI of a serial killer, maybe you find some strange results or anomalies in certain parts of the brain, but the only way to find out why that person is killing people is to actually go and directly ask them. An example that ties directly into the show, the latest version of or episode of or issue of Wired had an article talking about black box AI. In this case, institutions such as insurance companies are using machine learning systems to calculate insurance risks and rates. The code itself doesn't have any direct translation of input data to output result, but is creating results based on being trained over time and gradual learning. The article points out that once the system is working, even the creators have no idea how the results are being generated. The EU has passed legislation saying that people have a right to an explanation for decisions made by machine learning systems, but apparently researchers aren't even sure if this is possible. Looking at the code at that point won't tell you anything about how it works beyond just basic diagnostics. Mm. I find this idea frightening. Sure. Yeah, it's it's scary. Can can I, uh, like, I want to yeah. riff on the technicals a little bit Do before it. we get into the it's your show, baby. theoretical scary part. Uh I think the difference between like asking a human why they kill somebody and figuring out why an AI makes a decision is we have the data set for the AI. So we have, we know everything, we can look at everything that computer knows. I I think you could. So it would be incredibly hard, I think. That's what I'm saying. Like, to is trace it, that is back it and figure out why. time to be able to sift through all that stuff? That, that's a fair question. But I do think it can, it's possible. It can be done. Yeah. It's just. Like when we have fifty hosts, that's the thing. When you have fifty hosts malfunctioning and a limited pool of uh, time and and technicians, resources of, of all kinds. I think right? you're right. Like I I wonder if we ever get to the day where we can like map out synapses of the brain. Right. Like is that is the human brain a solvable machine? Or it feels to me like it is, but it's, I don't. It's hard know. to do because it's also like you know we're not exactly ones and zeros either. It's right. it's it's more complicated. There's like a lot of emergent po- probability. A lot of emergent behavior that doesn't yeah. directly map to any kind of – also, a disturbing amount of things of what's going on in your brain and reasoning are glands pumping out fucking hormones and shit. That's right. not going to be exactly something you'd be able to sort through someone's brain for. Yeah, you would kind of need the you kind of the, the full state, state of the whole brain. system yeah. state at the time of the th- behavior. The was made. <laughs> yeah. And that's which, the other which thing. Which we would actually have with an AI, so that's like – right. But what That's if, like, because, like, uh, it seems like state of the art for brain researchers to say that when human being we actually make decisions based on snap inputs and reflexes, and then our brains rationalize the decisions as if we made them logically. Right. If something like that's going on with a robot, then you could have a robot that's deluded itself into why it's doing the things it's doing. And, and has when you no, ask it, it won't actually. And, and if you know, sort yeah. through the information and the like, whatever, like. Again, unless you knew the exact state at the time, and how would you? At you know, unless it's constantly recording everything but. At, at the atomic level or molecular level, chemical right. level. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, this stuff is exciting and super <laughs> scary. It is scary because, like, especially when you get to the point of robots being able to lie. Well, well, like what? 
isn't that like a horror movie? Like a legislate, uh, like a government agency comes in and says you have to stop doing or you can't do it this way, and the mad scientist says, "Ha ha ha ha! It can't be stopped." I mean, that's kind of what's going on. Essentially, yeah. It's too late, you know. Oh Jesus! Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're asking for permission to do something that you don't understand, there's always a risk yeah, inherent in it. Our great great grandchildren are going to have interesting lives if in we the Chinese para- parabolic great, great, sense of the word. If they're even alive to question it, yeah, we might kill them all before then. Well, if I was a robot, it's the only thing. It's the only way to. It's the only way to be safe. You got to eliminate these crazy it's biologicals, true. man. Yeah. Meg uh, says, you mentioned that when Bernard was looking at the photo of his child that he didn't have any children based on his previous mention of not having kids at home. I got the impression that he was looking sadly at the photo, and I took it as if he had lost this child. Could that hmm. mean that he has some artil- or ulterior motive to bring back his dead child as a robot? That's real shitty of, I think it was Ashley, the, the Hemsworth guy, right? saying, you, well, you got kids at home? If he knows that this guy's lost a child. How would he, though? Like, that's just pretty co-workers. shitty of him. Yeah. I guess he might not know. Like I stepped into it with your girlfriend. Like, for one of the first questions asked her bad is oh, like, yeah. yeah, it's like, and was it her dad that's dead? Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, yeah. fuck. But you know, like, people don't have flashing, like, this right. could be an emotionally disturbing thing to, dis- to discuss it, you know? And of course. I'm not even saying that that was the case because, like, you know, I have traumatic things that people ask me about all the time and I don't. As I curl up in a ball and, and you, suck my thumb, but, but on the other hand, you don't go off on them when they ask something right. like that. You inform them, right? Or, or you just let it. slide. And it's a bummer for everybody, but that's right. the human condition. So maybe Bernard's just like letting it slide. Right? Look, he doesn't know. It's right. just, Plus, he's you know. Ashley. He's kind of an asshole. <laughs> right? I don't like him. He's he, made of milk. He anyway. does. Ru- he he's rough talk with my robots and. Yep. Uh, oh, you think Ashley's a robot? Oh, Who's I, not a robot not. in this show? No one. <laughs> Lee, and the, it's, it's just a joke on him. He's doing all. <laughs> He's living in the actual Westworld. Yeah, Ford 30 years or like 20 years ago saw this guy out of college and says, this guy's a real prick. I'm going to put him in a thing, make him think he's a head writer. He doesn't know what Aquiline means. (laughs) They're feeding him false dictionary definitions. I got 40,000 robots blowing smoke up his ass as a joke. (laughs) And on his deathbed, I'm going to tell him all the Oscars, all the Emmys, all the awards. (laughs) Bullshit. Anyway, wow. wasn't that a Ford and, is the other real? That's person. essentially a Rick and Morty plot, wasn't it? When Jerry uh, got stuck in the simulation and he was too stupid to, rem- to know that the simulation was this. Uh, anyway, everyone should watch Rick and Morty too. Mm-hmm. You want to make me watch humans? I'm going to make you watch Rick and Morty. Uh, Eric D said, "I'm wondering about the Man in Black. Could he be the critical failure that occurred 30 years ago?" Sure. Why not? He's mentioned as coming to Westworld for 30 years. It is seems weird whenever they do that. You know, 30 year they, that's a very specific point of time when everything mm-hmm. else is nebulous. And the fact he's speaking about in a manner of fact he was born here, I don't think you can rule it out. Uh, maybe So he's, maybe he's met using the, that in the metaphorical sense, which is, you right. know, becoming a new person. Right. Um, that, that's entirely possible. Can you imagine Ed Harris, first day, he just breaks the whole thing. Like, he's been in there 20 minutes, and the whole park is fucked. People are dead. Like He's, he's got the right stuff, man. Yeah. I guess so. Um, his quest to find, or maybe he's not a guest, but a sentient host. His quest to find more of this game is because he's searching for why he's here. Maybe his maker. He might be the demon that Dr. Robert Ford is chasing over the cliff. That would be interesting. Like, hmm. I, I, I I, still don't get the, demo, the, the demons that Ford is chasing. I haven't seen any evidence of that. He seems to be a very yeah. inquisitive, smart, um, 
perhaps reckless creator that's 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 seeing the potential of his creation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if like I make because again Lee's a fucking idiot, so everything he says about people I immediately suspect. Sure, Andrew V from North Dakota, I think, or either that or Notre Dame. Uh, Jim mentioned that he may have trouble going along with the show if the show seems to be asking us to have dramatic empathy for the robotic characters. But how do we ever feel any empathy for any arbitrary drama? All of our favorite characters exist out of largely arbitrary and logical decisions by a creator. I've largely found the plot to be simply arbitrary in any drama, and therefore it's character that pulls us in and what keeps us around for the plot. Mm-hmm. Knowing it's all arbitrary, what if the characters wait, what if the character we like and want to hang out with is simply a robot? If it's all fake, why do we differentiate the extra levels of fakeness? Is it because we wouldn't care about machine drama in a real world? So asking ourselves if we'd care about arbitrary world is an extra layer removed even from that? No, it's much simpler. Well, I it's thought about this was relating to the characters. Okay. And I can't relate to a robot. I can't hmm. put myself in a robot's shoes. Why not? Because I don't know how a robot operates, especially in a fictional world. Isn't that world. why Mr. Robot or Mr. Robot? Isn't that why Mr. Rogers told us to use our fucking imaginations, man? Uh-huh. Like, imagine what it's like to be a robot. Imagine what it's like to be a proto consciousness. <laughs> That's what I think is fascinating. Imagine what it's like to be an elf or a there you go. wizard. Yeah, or a, a woman in a Westeros. I can't, like it's this. the same way I can't imagine what it's like to be an elephant. Hmm. Right? I don't. I don't know anything about how their brains work. How Why they can't operate. you imagine what it's like to be a ro- uh, elephant? What's keeping you from doing that? Again, I reference the imagination <laughs> concept. Because I, it, it might not be accurate, right? If you have well, real talk with an elephant, they tell you're full of shit and, and, and sensitive. And that's the main problem. I I don't understand anything about what goes on in an elephant's brain. Right. Right. I mean, sure, I can imagine being an elephant from a human's perspective. Why are you afraid of mice? You're so much bigger than them. Yeah. Or I can imagine being a canary from a human's perspective, but it's not what it's actually like to be a canary. Hmm. So I don't feel like a ton of empathy toward a a fictionalized canary (laughs) the same way I wouldn't feel a ton of empathy toward a robot. Yeah, I got a cat like two years ago, and I spent a lot of time watching it do its paces and chase laser pointers and fake mice around. I think, God, from... And this is not a new thought. This is just something that's recently relevant to me. But like from a... Small mammal's perspective, a house cat is a fucking Tyrannosaurus Rex. It's a horror yeah. show. Mm-hmm. Its claws so sharp, and they're they're cruel. Yeah, cruel. House cats are fucking cruel. They play with their things before they eat them. It's crazy. So there, I just imagine what it's like to be a, a mouse being chased by a cat. Tom and Jerry prepped me for that. Tom and Jerry and Mister Rogers allowed that to happen to him. Okay. All right, Tyler C. Uh, following regarding your your speculation about following seasons, you've talked quite a bit about your curiosity as how they extend the story arc behind one season. They seem to have already accomplished so much in just one episode. I haven't seen the original movie, but you mentioned in the movie they have other worlds, such as Roman, medieval, etc. My guess is they treat this show like American Horror Story or True Detective. Each season is a different world with a different plot and a different cast, but maybe one overarching concept that ties them all together. I'd still be extremely challenging to find unique and interesting enough storylines with each season, regardless of setting, but I would at least open up possibilities. Um, that latter part is the bitch, right? Like, it's not like The Wire, where, like, season one, we're going to talk about life on the street, and season two, we're going to go to the stevedores, and it's a completely different situation talking about the same societal rot. Like, Westworld, every, if you go to Roman world, it's going to be about, are these machines real? What are our moral obligations to them? Yeah, I guess the issues it's the don't same change damn with the question setting. every single time, and you're not getting any new information or any new points of view on it. Now, right. 
like a whole season about the technicians, a whole mm-hmm. season about the guests. That would be interesting, but it doesn't seem like they're doing that. It's all kind of blended. Yeah, which I it, it all leads me to believe that they're going to stay within Westworld within this park for a good be- long time. I mean, I have like in two episodes in, I have like a huge amount of faith in the process yeah. and the people, but still, it's still very hard for me to imagine it being that good for that long. And I mean, I have an enormous like five, amount of questions. Sure. That I don't think they can answer in one season. So, and there's always flashback episodes. True. <laughs> Savannah M. If artificial intelligence can become sentient or self-aware, what's preventing the robot horses in Westworld from becoming sentient? Or the robot elephants? Or the robot scorpions? Or or mm. or, or uh, snakes? They can't talk to each other. That's Ooh. the difference. Ooh, that's that's they can't that's whisper the words of you. Like, horses can't convey information. Um, I can't speak the code words. What about Mr. Violent Ed? Delights, violent ends. Mr. Ed. Oh, shit. Are we sure Mr. Ed wasn't a robot? <laughs> oh, the memories had to wipe of the carrots up asses. Uh, they would be using the same computer server hard drives as the human robot counterparts, would they not? There's no limitation of a robot horse from not understanding language, context, and situation. In fact, given the world we've been introduced to, would the makers even think to erase the memory of the horses after each narrative arc? Holy shit. What about the Catherine the Great arcs? I don't think they'd give the horse the same programming as the 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 whores. The horse and the whores don't have the same programming. Come yeah, on. You bump this horse's cognitive uh, yeah. cognition up by 1.3%. Boosted up by 1,000%. It's still a stupid horse. Yeah, come on. I don't know. I mean, I think it was, first of all, I thought email was funny. Second of all, is, I thought it yeah. is kind of thought-provoking that... I mean, yeah, you're right. They could have different programmings, but also it could just be some object-oriented framework that could run away from. I mean, who knows? Right? Maybe who it's knows? just a like a good chunk of it. It's a subset, and and they could develop it. I don't know. Horse people. That's oh, season God. two. Season two, just horse people. What about a horse in a person's body? It, it's going to be. What does be, that look like? It's going to be uh, Ed Harris wearing a green screen mask, and he just has a horse head on his body. <laughs> <laughs> Say wait, that would oh yeah, that'd be a horse head on Ed Harris body. It's essentially Bojack Horseman with Ed Harris. Is is, is what we're talking about now, right? <laughs> we are. I would actually watch that show. Yeah, as a guy, man who just who just marathon Bojack Horseman. Another show, another recommend. I got three of them. Uh, you going to watch me with humans? I'm going to bring a pain. Um, it, it, yeah, I would watch the hell out of a Westworld Bojackman. In fact, I want to see season four of Bojackman. Delve into Bo Jackman going to Westworld as a horse, mm-hmm. as a horseman. Oh, man, uh, that I'll, I'll podcast about that. Joel P. I have a theory about Logan and William. William obviously seems like a shy, caring person who treats AI as human. On the other hand, Logan appears to have dragged William to Westworld just to make him do fucked up shit with him. Mm-hmm. We saw that Dolores and William met, and they both looked interested in each other. We also saw that Dolores dug up a gun that we can assume is a real human killing gun. See, you got yep. you got yeah. some comfort in. In, in company here. Okay. Now I think there's a possibility that William and Dolores could get quote-unquote involved and that Logan may try to ruin that by either raping Dolores or attempting to kill her. She would kill Logan using the gun and William would want to help her cover it up and escape. I understand that this is a reach and the fact that William has someone who's waiting for him at home could squash the romance between him and Dolores. However, a human dying in a park feels very imminent. I guess, I mean... Okay. Hmm. Like I think that's super interesting, but it's all it's, it's very speculative. Um, They're do, definitely doing something. I mean, so got, I, he's not wrong that human dying in the park seems imminent. Sure, I mean, with this gun, yes. floating around. Come on, yes. 
and you've got the violent delights meet violent ends. Right. Uh, you've got, you know, if Dolores is going to be the Judas steer or maybe she's going to be the Messiah character and they're definitely building a relationship between her and William. The other way you could uh, face this is that Dolores killing William after she has this intention, emotional bond with them as like some kind right. of mind fuck. Like you thought it was the one way. Well, it's the other, mm-hmm. you know, she turns into Marlo Stanfield and starts just filling up every vacant, every vacant up in Westworld with human bodies. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I, that there's so many different ways they could spin that. And that's the thing. Like this show is so twisty and tricksy and misdirectiony, like the best of the Nolan's entertainment that I'm kind of looking for those twists. Like, Oh, you think it's going to be a love story? What's well, going to be some kind of fucked up tragedy. Yeah. Uh, Brett from Hawaii says, my question to you is, do you think Dr. F- what do you think Dr. Ford's new story will be? We see him go into church or go to a church and then the shot lingers on the cross. Do you think they're foreshadowing someone being crucified and taking on the sins of a man in the world? I think the early favorite may be William. He is the new white hat, both literally and figuratively. I talked about uh, the speculation about forming a new religion, but this is also interesting too. If it's not literally a religion, it's like someone being crucified for the sins of... Like, like William, I mean, so that's, that's actually really thematic if you're talking about Jesus, mm-hmm. um, in the theological and mythological sense that, um, William, who's a relative innocent person and who is sinless could be killed to pay for the sins of humanity at large at right. the hands of these robots. That would mm-hmm. be kind of interesting. I like that stuff. I like Christ figures as much as the next guy, maybe more than most. Yeah. I mean, maybe I shouldn't be, but I'm really leaning into this idea of, Ford creating a religion. I mean, with all the stuff they've talked about, I like that snakes and stuff. I mean, even that's like he could essentially be the devil. Like, well, also there's the original sin. There's Moses leading the people out of Egypt, and one of his first miracles he performed was the whole turning, you know, turning staff into snakes and swallowing up the other the the Pharaoh's magician snakes. Like, there's tons of serpent mythology in the Bible. Yeah, and I mean, he's talking about the devils running loose. Uh, Sure. I don't know. It's it's interesting. I'm definitely leaning into the creation of religion in this world again. Um, I could see him collecting, connecting with Dolores, getting mixed up in Ford's new plot, and being on the opposite end of the little little gun on the prairie that Dolores digs up. That would actually have the greatest emotional impact of human death if it was someone who actually cared for the robots, not mm-hmm. some random. Oh, you know what? Um, I as sometimes happens, I don't fully read the emails before I copy and paste them. I read them enough to know, like, okay, this is interesting. Uh, so I just stepped all over your point in the uh, email before. Uh, so yeah. Uh, side question: okay. Mister Robot had the popcorn gun. Do you have any other name suggestions for this buried gun? Obviously, I like Little Gun on the Prairie, but I also like Resurrected Revolver. Mm. Uh, I I, I try to make some like Rick's Gun Farm from The Walking Dead, <laughs> right? Homegrown gun. Uh-huh. Organic. Organic. Free. Organic, all natural, <laughs> responsibly sourced. That, that, that'll make William mm. feel good who's being shot with it. The fact that, you know, oh, it's, yeah. it's cruelty-free. It's, it's a cruelty-free gun. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you think the chickens, like, this is responsibly raised, free-range, cruelty-free meat? Like, uh, you're yeah. eating us, fuckers. Um, I don't know. Put yourself in the chicken shoes, Aaron. Chickens are cockroaches with feathers. It's, har- it's harder than most. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> Now you know how I feel about robots. <laughs> Cockroaches with brains. It's like the conversations atheists have with uh, believers. It's like, you're atheist too. You just believe in one more God than I do. Right. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I, I draw the line at cockroaches with feathers. 
Uh, Sam K. In regards to the rounds in the park being similar or current to military training rounds, it's semi-plausible. Current simunition is compressed chalk that can be operated out of conventional firearms, but they pack more of a punch than huh. standard paintballs and can actually kill if hit in the wrong place. <sighs> I've used these rounds before, and I would not want to be hit in any vital spots while unarmored. So to say that they would be used on the guests within Westworld doesn't seem plausible, as many guests would be either seriously wounded or killed. I mean... What if would you be shot by a sim bullet a hundred years in the future? Right, chalk tech is really really improved. That's uh, in sure. the ensuing a hundred years. It's not just for teachers no more. We don't actually know how far in the future this is. We right? don't. We're just we assuming really like a hundred years. We really don't. Like I okay. mean, and it's if you look at the people's dress, like I Bernard, I was trying to decide. Like he's got this blend of futuristic old timey. I know they're decidedly all like kind of just suits and old-timey classic and even looks. the hosts like i like this the the uh, elon musk's ex-wife like yeah. i was trying to see like is that uh, that could be contemporary but it's also slightly is this a very sleek look it's yeah hard to tell yeah i don't know it, it seemed like they're going for timeless but mm-hmm. usually that means like uh, you know it could be any time in the recent but this is like timeless in the sense that it could be any time in the recent future yeah, kind of I Interstellar, think... Matthew Mc... They did that with that kind of too. Like it was oh, with the Dust Bowl. Thing? Yeah, you didn't have yeah. crazy floating cars, but you did have right. slightly advanced techno- space travel technology. Yeah, I think like the trains are the, the whatever conveyance they use or would call it to get them to the facility mm-hmm. feels pretty far in the future. Just right. how it looks. Yeah. Well, how yeah. it sounds. And it's that's all a, clearly electric. And, and people say, well, computer technology. Man, that's hard to gauge because, like, if you look at, like, Westworld, perfect example, 70s, what they thought the far future would look like. Right. Not even close. Go back to, like, uh, Star Wars. Like, Star Wars depictions of future technology is very clunky by modern standards. So Go back to 2006 and think of what phone tech looked like. Right. Before the first iPhone. Right. Totally different. Yeah. Nobody saw that coming. No, I mean, like, The Matrix. Like, we we talked about in our podcast we did on The Matrix how they did a good job of, like, almost going steampunk so it does seem silent. Yeah. Uh, does seem um, timeless, but the cell phone tech. Like, there's no Kia sliders. <laughs> right. That shit. Come uh, on. Yeah, that, that you are permanently stuck in 1999. Uh, Shannon B. says, from someone with some coding knowledge, while bug-free code is a mythical unicorn, could some of Anthony Hopkins' mistakes be some kind of internal error, like a logic bomb or some kind of backdoor? I was suspicious of his mistakes once they went to route of, oh, this is hard, I'm getting rusty or whatever, and innovation will often result in a few mistakes, blah, blah, blah. They seem to be throwing it in our faces that this new set of errant code or whatever is just a nasty bug. Mm, that's not what I took away at all. I think he's purposely introducing these quote-unquote mistakes. So you think the mistakes are intentional? Yeah. But then they wouldn't be mistakes. Right. So they wouldn't be evolution. I think he refers to them a little tongue-in-cheek with ah. mistakes, like... Bernard, you know this isn't a mistake. You know sure. I put this in here. I'm going to call it a mistake and see if you see what your reaction is. Okay. Uh, also, who is in hell of checking in the code? You're fired. You don't usually get the CTO. <laughs> it's Ford. That's the problem. It is Ford. I think that's the point. But she's she, oh. her, their point is that you you usually you don't usually get the CTO or chief of R and D or whatever to final push. Do you? No. Hordes of people would be reviewing that shit, running against automated test builds to ensure no regressions were introduced, etc. Nerdy shit would have gotten done. So I'm not quite buying the oopsies claim, especially not after he waved his hands to control that snake. If he's leaving that sort of backdoor parcel mouse shit in his code, what else does he like to leave behind? I mean, so. 
I've worked at a small mom and pop programming shop where there was a founder and owner who was technical and, you know, he could just, like, we had rules, but, you right. know, on, on crunch time, he could slip shit in that none of us could. Right. Because he owns the company. It's his yeah. name on the door. And I've also worked at Fortune 500 companies where, like, I didn't even deploy my own fucking code. I checked it in and some other douchebag right. built it and deployed it and told me whether it was good or not. So, mm-hmm. and there's probably even more controls over that. Like, it's all over the map, man. And I feel like the Westworld feels like maybe it's more of a it's, – it's definitely this giant corporation, but it's also mom and pop and that Anthony Hopkins, Dr. Ford, seems like he has big kahuna status that he can slip shit in that maybe no one else can. Right. As constructed, this world says that Anthony Hopkins has the final say. And it does seem like that's a chief tension in this world, that like yeah. not everybody is on board with that decision. Mm-hmm. Lucas V. I was skeptical of the long shootout by the man in black and counted the shots. In the scene, Ed Harris shot 12 times, but he only had loaded eight bullets into his gun. <laughs> I attached a little collage with the count, which he did. Okay. I'd love to hear your position on TV movie mistakes in the podcast. I find it funny that there are long lingering shots on the revolver chamber and Harris loading it, and in the end, they didn't even count right. So one thing... Didn't they? How so, many people did he kill? Well, there is the, well he, he did. He shot 12 times. But here's the thing. Um, okay. And a lot of it was off camera. Right, is that audio cues? Because other people can shoot. No, I think the way he did the breakdown, it was like definitely him shooting. But here's the okay. thing. The the gun that he has is this weird like break-action revolver where the mm-hmm. actual barrel, like he had, it looked to me, several of those barrels on his belt. So he could instantly like click a button and clip a new one in and oh. be good to go. Hmm. Like, it's like the ultimate speed loader type of thing. Mm-hmm. So if I'm... Because here's the thing. Like, I like guns. I own several, but I'm not a gun fancier. I couldn't tell you the model name and exact workings of that. Mm-hmm. But I think that's what they're going for, the fact that he has some kind of quick reload capability. On the other hand, if they're off by four... I really don't give a shit. Yeah, sure. Like, I mean, I, there's some I things mean, that drive me crazy, like with basic gun safety and stuff and The Walking Dead. And when, right. when a person that should know better, like a military specialist or a law enforcement officer, obviously has never picked up a gun in their life. Mm-hmm. But, like, how many shots are fired in a science fiction show with a guy who's just a dil- – you know, he's just dabbling in this kind of stuff for fun in an environment where he's immortal? Meh. Yeah, his gun also has some kind of double barrel with different ammunition in each barrel. I also, I also like call, a grenade launcher on the bottom of his pistol. You know, I also refer to magazines as clips, even though I know better. Sure. So that's yeah. the type of guy I am when it comes to that kind of accuracy. So okay. Um, let's see. Rebecca T said, "Sorry if you're both intimately familiar with Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. Are you? Mm-hmm. I've, that's yeah, actually I've read you've got one on me. I, I, I've not read that." Uh, they're they're essentially doping the people, and they've divided them into classes. And- okay, so I'll let, she's a um, I'm a retired literary analysis teacher who used Brave New World as one of a series of post apocalyptic novels to teach annotation, close reading, and timed writing to pre advanced placement students. To provide a very brief a summary synopsis in Brave New World, the world specifically Great Britain has evolved into a dystopian future where people are engineered f- to fulfill various roles in society. The world state worships Henry Ford oh. because mm. of his invention of assembly line, thus setting a ma- world oh, of mass God. production and mass consumerism into motion. And the numbers and the numbers, the years of their history from the first Model T rolling off the assembly line. The protagonist is Bernard Marx, a nod to Bernard Shaw and Karl Marx, who said that religion is the opiate of the masses. 
Of course, we also have a Bernard here. Social structures according to the level of sentience and skills, including alphas, betas, deltas, gammas, and epsilons with commiserate levels of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. They go into a reservation in Arizona on vacation where the population of natives who are there to serve the wishes and fantasies of the citizens of the world state. The parallels are stunning to me right now, down to the quoting of Shakespeare, since Huxley used Shakespeare to inform the development of John Savage, ultimately the victim of the brave new world. Uh, the title, for example, comes from the play The Tempest. Huxley was a visionary of the earliest 20th century, and Brave New World appeared on the banned books list for years because of the author's dire predictions of the slippery slope America was on due to our capitalistic society, as well as his questioning of the role religion plays in society and his mention of drug use to numb people to everyday life. One of the primary themes in Brave New World is what happens when man dares play God. Definitely a theme in Westworld as well. Um, it it seems with the, the Ford and Bernard and like even the classifications of the robots, that's stuff that we've already talked about. Like that seems very applicable. Right. Especially when you see that there are hosts outside of Westworld, right? Uh, do you remember For like onboarding what, what happened with this John Savage character? No, it's been so long. I'm trying to think. Is I read like, it in my teens. Like is, was John Savage an Indian or native American char- character rather? I don't remember. Um, because, like, you know, just, and I'm only saying that because of this thing about, like, it seemed like they had, like, a Westworld in Arizona. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. So I, I was like, I wonder if you could, if you could, like, make some inferences based on what you knew about that novel, so. No, I mean, sounds like any inferences were made by her, so. Mm. Uh, way better than I would remember him. Well, there's your homework. Read all of A Brave New World. <laughs> it's actually a pretty short book. Ma- I, that's why I thought. Yeah. It's like almost a novella. Uh, yeah, it's it's a very, very small novel. And, and c- come prepare the book report to class next week. Okay. And I'll watch humans, and we'll discuss. <laughs> Carter, uh, the Sizemore character, which is the head writer. What's Lee. his first name? Lee. Yeah. Lee Sizemore. It's all about big moments, iconic speeches, and epic fight scenes with no substance. He doesn't care about subtlety nor fundamentally or and fundamentally un- misunderstands what the people want or need. Oh, boy. This gets meta and juicy, and I love it. Oh, so does Jonathan Nolan. Christopher Nolan worked as a producer with Zack Snyder on Man of Steel after working with his brother on the Dark Knight trilogy and quickly left the DC Universe after that. I can see Jonathan, whether it's intentional or not, basing his whipping boy Sizemore somewhat (laughs) off of Snyder. The only difference is Ford or Warner Brothers are smart enough to cut (laughs) him off and shut that shit down. I have a complicated relationship with Zack Snyder. I think Watchmen is awesome. It's really one of the perfect comic book movies. Uh, And this is scandalous to comic book nerds, but I actually think it improves upon the source material, certainly as a form of an adaptation. But holy shit, like he gets more and more off He's, I think he's killing Warner Brothers Justice League series. Like their refusal Uh, to leave this madman behind is... He's done those, I guess so. Yeah, like I don't want to get too... I mean, we actually recorded a series of podcasts on the DC uh, Cinematic Universe over the summer um, on our Bald Movie series. If you want to get more of that, you can hear it. But I don't know. That would be pretty pretty interesting if Jonathan's throwing some shade on the Zack Snyders of the world. Yeah, I I thought he did this one. Sucker Punch is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Really? I hated Sucker Punch. Right. But I think it's actually thoughtful and interesting compared to, like, Batman versus Superman. Fair. Yeah. I mean, at least that had some points it was trying to make that were interesting about reality and victims and, you know, Jesus. Anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, JJ Triple J. JJJ. 
Westworld is very good right now. Oh, this is okay. This is the that's it. Just full stop. That's Westworld it. is very good right now. Five stars. No, this is the the reason I include this is the the low negative review I got in my mailbag. Oh, not negative, okay. but more uh, not worried. More worried. Just not buying it. The more worried about the concept, and he's got some good points here. Okay. Westworld's very good right now, sure, but has a real risk of going off track and becoming season five lost stupid. Which is not a bad comparison because the first few episodes of Lost, right, amazing. That pilot is incredible. Like, yeah, brain on fire, mm-hmm. and then increasingly brain uh, dumped cold water on. Uh, the storyline sure. of the and I get that's I don't care. It's controversial. Some people really love Lost and think it's awesome. I'm yeah. not one of those people. Um, it's subjective. Deal with it. Uh, <laughs> the storyline of the host developing consciousness through the use of memory fragments is intriguing. There's a storyline with the most promise. The man in black story is already off track. Every one against many gunfight is classic Ninja Warriors fight style. No risk to him uh, with the gunfights means they have no drama. He's simply the devil walking amongst the host. Yeah, his, dra- his drama is not the point. That's not will, where the drama comes I from. even think they're leaning into that. Like, Filming the gunfight entirely from the perspective of the blindfolded Lawrence was a really neat piece of craftsmanship, I thought. Sure. And the fact that the gunfight to Lawrence, he's flinching as he hears every bullet because it might be coming to him. Right. It's more real to him, the robot, than it is to Ed Harris. Absolutely. The maybe flesh and blood character. Mm-hmm. The Dr. Ford line, Dr. Ford storyline, Dr. Forey Ford line. <laughs> God, the Dr. Ford storyline is already tired. The scene with the child was the, with the story was pretentiously self-important. Um, I want to pause there. You think there. it's tired? I disagree, but. Well, I just think it's, it's too mysterious to say. Like he, a lot of the cliched, uh, oh, we're playing God and all, you know, this is well-worn Michael Crichton material, but, mm-hmm. you know, this, the, the, I haven't seen what the mystery is yet. Right. What do you think of these theories? If you saw them, that Doctor F- this robot was a previous, like a Doctor Ford programmed the boy version of himself. Yeah, I was wondering that while I was watching it. The only thing uh, people have to go on is the accent, right? Because it's not. I mean, I don't know what young Anthony Hopkins looked like. I don't either. But I, I don't know. I mean, would he do something like that? Would why would Ford be interested in that? I don't know enough about him yet. Could it tell be you his, whether could he it would be, or wouldn't It's do just it. as plausible that it'd be like his son that he lost. Or, sure, yeah. You know, grandson. Chasing his demons. Who sure. knows? Uh, he does not look like a scary demon, that kid. No. Uh, the biggest storyline risk is some larger-than-life conspiracy drama from outside the Old West setting. I hope the writers simply focus on the guests and the host because that's where the great TV potential lays. I mean, I'm sympathetic to this line. Like, it is possible this could flip off the rails and sure, explode. But, but it sounds like your fears are all smoke, no fire. Like, but but that was kind of me season one leftovers. Well, of course, that was Dame, that was also Damon Lindelof. I mean, that, speaking of the that devil. could be you at the beginning of any show you've ever liked, right? I mean, of course, it always has the potential to go off the rails. But some shows trigger those memories more strong like like again any sure. show that seems smell like to me lost triggered my x-files trauma right so i'm right. like oh really walt was the most important thing on the island and now he's missing he's not coming back eject yeah like i can see if you thought lost was amazing but are ultimately dissatisfied with the voyage it took you on that you can see something mm-hmm. like this and like have your hand on one hand on your wallet and the other on the gun and slowly back from the room sure so that's fair but yeah, I'm just for me. Up. I just i I would like to just wait and see. I mean, I don't sure. I don't want to fret over what may or may not become of this show because right now I'm enjoying it, and until that changes, I'm not worried. 
Well, uh, the verdict is in as far as what America thinks. Uh, Joe M. from Philly, he is our resident ratings expert. He wrote in and said, HBO released their viewership for the premiere night of Westworld, and executives are probably breathing a sigh of relief for the show that took a long time and lots of reworking to finally get on the air. The Sunday night premiere viewership is 3.3 million viewers. The last new brand new show premiere that did that was True Detective, also at 3.3 million. Game of Thrones back in 2011 is the all-time champ. Something. For brand new HBO shows with the premiere of 4.1 million viewers, 3.3 million is both TV and streaming viewership, but for Sunday only. Uh, he said it'll be interesting to see how many additional views it gets in the week after premiere date. I actually saw this just before we recorded. It was up to six point something. This show, I mean, I think it's it's amazing. This show is nearly as successful as Game of Thrones on debut, which is one of the all-time hits for, for HBO. And certainly... Right. What we saw with our first week traffic on the podcast and the volume of email I'm getting on a, t- a two week old show is unprecedented. We've never had yeah. this big a hit out the gate. No, it's bigger than Game of Thrones was uh, at the time. I'm sure we didn't jump in on Game of Thrones right away. Certainly, I didn't. But yeah. I don't think you even. No, did, right? we came in in season two, but right. we, and so. with the season one rewatch lead up. But still, still, and also we weren't quite the network we were back then. But right. still, pretty yeah. freaking amazing. No, it's incredible. Uh, I'm I'm super happy because I'm much more interested in the sci-fi stuff than I am in the fantasy stuff of right. Game of Thrones. Now, don't get me wrong, I love Game of Thrones. Right. It's an awesome show and it has plenty of other things but for me to appreciate. But it's the magical dragon shit. Right. right. Like, this just sucks me in more than ever. Right. Sucks you in like a prospector you picked up <laughs> off the street. <laughs> right out of the mud. <laughs> as, a conspar- as a comparison, the poorly received but heavily promoted vinyl... Had big hopes and a big price tag, but only had 1.4 million on yeah. night one, and that failure led to talk in the industry about whether HBO would producing another hit anytime soon. Well, here you go, fuckers. Yep, a hit rolling down the line. Come I mean, on, HBO. I can't think of any more reliable network as far as producing hits. Even this, like, I didn't watch Final because I my position on Vinyl because I was so busy at the time that if the early reviews were good and if it stayed good, then I'd watch it, and I heard it turn into a train wreck. Yeah. It was ultimately unsatisfying. But, you know, day in, day out, like, I love Girls. I love – I just watched a new Insecure. It's amazing. I thought Vice President or Vice Principals was interesting. I thought uh, The Ballers is a pretty good show for just, like, you know, turn your brain off watching. Right. Like, all the reality shows they have. Like, HBO has so many things. Like, I watch more HBO than – I think I watch more HBO than anything. The talk shows that they have. Like, Netflix I mean, like- is kind of up there, but, like yeah. – I can't think of a more consistent network than HBO. Yeah. I mean, even Netflix, for as much cool stuff as it's produced, is still hit and miss. Sure. I mean... And that's why I said not everything to H. Like, I thought last year's uh, Brink right. was pretty forgettable, pretty uh, You didn't great. like the night before or the, the night, night after? Was, the night of. Was, I mean, I think it was great. It just fundamentally fell apart at the end. Right. Uh, and also, it has a misfortune of the real-life cr- crime and drama stuff. Now, which is this really interesting genre? Did you see the Amanda Knox documentary on Netflix? No. If you, I mean, I know you like Making a Murder and you like season one of the serial. I think you, and it's only ninety minutes long. It's very concise, and also it lets us feel bad about foreign justice systems and not just American, because <laughs> okay. uh, it all takes place in in Italy, your home, uh, your homeland. Sure, uh, that's where I. That's. Where I took the boat from. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah right past Ellis Island. They shaved your right. head, gave you your Jim Jones name. They loused me. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I have a lot of... I, it didn't work. It didn't take. It I'm didn't. just covered in lice. <laughs> just, ugh. 
Yeah, but the big, big bottom line expense for Bald Move is delousing weekly in the studio. It it's just a constant just biological cover me war. in milk, and then I, I dry off, and I'm good to go for another week. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm 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 happy that that HBO. Like I said, I'm I'm a fan of HBO, and yeah. uh, they've been doing a lot of good work for a lot of time. A lot of time, and I feel like that their philoso- philosophy that they don't care so much about ratings they care about impressing their subscribers enough to keep them watching and and a commitment to quality and adult entertainment is laudable i agree so they're doing things the right way uh that's all we got uh that's all we got right this is a mammoth podcast have you ever imagined what it'd be like to be a mammoth well, it's a furry. It's, it's just a, furry a hairier elephant. elephant right? So yeah. if you can get the elephant, you just imagine an elephant with bigger teeth and hair. I'll practice that. And you're at week. mammoth. That's that's a good homework assignment. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to send us more feedback, uh, Westworld at, at, at porkypig.com, Westworld at baldmove.com, and forums.baldmove.com. God, I love this show. I cannot wait for next week. Uh, and we'll be there. Until yeah. Then. Uh, well, before, what, real quick before we go, since this is a new show. We could really use iTunes reviews on it. Oh yeah, to, to kind of pump the um, pump the gas on on iTunes. Yeah, we I, we always forget to do that because we're not used to having new shows on. Well, we're also not great at self promotion and sales and marketing. So right. Uh, but yeah, rate and review on iTunes. That would help us uh, be. Uh, it's funny to say that after we talked about how successful the show has been. But if you want to really make this, if you don't do anything else for us as far yeah. as support, that would be a huge help to to get the word out on that. Right. And with that said, until next time, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. Bye bye.